welcome to Weird Kid Video. I'm Kim Ralph Snape and I miss video stores so much I opened one in my own home, packed with the VHS tapes of the trash cinema I grew up watching at a highly inappropriate age. Every week I force my co-hosts Kira Jade Alberts and Brody McDonald to sit through a movie for us to discuss. So come on in, have a look around, sign up for a membership. There are no late fees, but unreturned tapes will self-destruct in 10 seconds. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to get off the couch and bring them back. Insert Tom Cruise's impressive stunt gif here. This is Weird Kid Video. Old business? I have old business. Are you serious? I have a very small bit of old business. Oh, okay. Jesus Christ. Uh, so, you know Ram from last episode who I was like, I know that fucking guy. I know that guy. And you were like, oh, he hasn't really done anything too notable. Oh, Ram from Heather's, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what was last episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We take a week off and it just goes. My brain, my brain's melted. Yeah. Ram played Festa in Three Ninjas. Just so I can Fuck live it. that of in. Course of course um, he did. But that's not where I, I, as soon as I saw him as first, I was like, oh, of course. But where I know him from, fucking Jag. Do you guys remember Jag? Oh, yeah, I know Jag. Yeah, he was like the nerdy character. Oh, he is too. Yeah. Yeah, I know that. And I, it was bugging me for so long because I was like, I'm not, I'm sure I know that chubby face. Kira just gave me a look like, you know Jag? It's like, yeah, I used to watch Jag. What is Jag? <laughs> uh, it's, NCIS it's like a, of the 90s. Oh, okay, it's actually, yep. NCIS is a spinoff of Jag. He's yeah. actually been in NCIS. Yeah. yeah, so it's about a it's about a military lawyer who solves cr- crimes in the military. They're uh, Navy lawyers. Oh, I, do, I don't is think it, I I yeah, it I think it's maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. judge advocate group or whatever. Right. So it's like <laughs> crimes inside the crimes inside the navy, and then you yeah. get a lawyer. Yeah, I think I've seen ads for it. I don't Can think I've watched an episode. That concept has such longevity, and like yes, different spin-offs. Yes, I can. It's wild, absolutely wild. Network television. People, <laughs> yeah, people love trash. Same. New business? None here. You don't have any new business? You don't want to talk about the movie this week? No. No? Okay, cool. Didn't even watch it. Yeah, I'm not surprised. (laughs) This week, we are finding the right tune on our cosmic key, so we can open a door to Eternia and find the power. We are talking about the fucking He-Man movie, Masters of the Universe, from 1987. At the far end of the universe, there is a planet ruled by a being of utter evil. There is only one man who dares challenge him. They are locked in a battle to the death. A battle that will take them across the heavens. Stop him! A battle that will finally be fought. I want them to get down and brought to me! Across the face. Police! Nobody move! Of Earth. I think I'm gonna need some backup. Can you show us the way? Of course. No. Somebody help me! distant galaxy, they have come to Earth. Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, Frank Langella as Skeletor. Only they have the powers to be. Masters of the Universe, live the adventure. 
What a movie. Holy shit. It went so many left turns. So many left turns in this movie. Not for me. Yeah, no, obviously. <laughs> oh, my God. We were watching it this morning. <laughs> and Keen can recite the whole thing. Holy shit. To, down to the score. <laughs> Holy shit. How are you not just mesmerized by Dolph Lundgren's pecs the whole, that whole movie? Yeah. His first appearance in the movie, I was like, God Jesus damn. Christ, yeah. <laughs> he definitely did a set before that shot. We have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, okay. I've seen the movie a few times. I might know some of the dialogue by heart. Who knows? <laughs> you know all of the dialogue by heart. You can anticipate the score. <laughs> yeah, I know when the score changes. Oh, what a oh score. My God. Definitely feel like it was heavily lifted from some other things that from inspired Star Wars? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe the costumes as well. Yeah. We, oh my god! We'll, we'll the, talk through the black stormtroopers. <laughs> we'll, oh my god! You guys are just jumping straight into it, huh? Okay. Uh, well, here we go. It's another canon film. Oh, great! When I see that logo now, I'm like, oh yes, okay. This is much yeah. more of a canon film than the last canon film. You think? I, I, I imagine. I feel like it. W- it's like, actually not. It feels more wacky, weird, strange. What was no, wacky I feel about like this American, movie? I feel like, oh, really? <laughs> that's where you're going with this. I feel like American Ninja is way more emblematic of a canon film than this. Yeah. Than this is. I mean, I haven't necessarily seen that many canon films. Well, you're, you're going to see a few. Mm-hmm. It's part of the podcast. So if you want more background about canon, you can listen to our American Ninja episode or you can watch the documentary Electric Boogaloo, the wild untold story of canon films by Aussie documentary Terrian. Uh, Mark Hartley, which I also mentioned in the last episode. And that documentary and also just a bunch of stuff that I remember are the main sources of this episode. Because <laughs> <laughs> my brain. It's, it's all my brain's fault. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of old business oh my next God. episode. <laughs> yeah, just uh, correcting a bunch yeah. of Ian's thoughts about this movie. <laughs> no. Directed by Gary Goddard. And that's the only time I'll be mentioning his name today due to the numerous horrific allegations of sexual assault. Ah, uh, fucking... Ah. Why do they have to ruin it? That have been directed at that man because... Fuck that guy. And that is the last time I'll mention him Fuck on the that podcast. guy. Fair enough. Written by David O'Dell. Before this, he'd been a writer on The Muppet Show. <laughs> I can feel vibes of The Muppets <laughs> in this. definitely got Muppet, yeah. Muppet Show vibes. And is a credited co-writer on The Muppets movie. He also wrote the Supergirl movie, which we have name-checked before on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. And The Dark Crystal. So Ooh, he I've heard for, of that. Have I seen that? It's the, it's a the Muppet Jim, movie. It's a Jim Henson <laughs> movie. Okay. Set in a fantasy world. There was a modern remake of it just recently. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Modern yeah, continuation. Yeah. yeah. The Dark oh. Crystal, Age of Resistance. It's not a remake. It's a oh, sequel. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Have I seen it? I don't think you've ever seen it. We, it's definitely on the I think you've shown list. me pieces of it, but you That's a movie that has it. scarred an entire generation of children. Oh, it's no. one of those movies that you kind of like, everyone should watch, though, I thought. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But also scarred so, an entire yeah, generation. Yeah, I, I haven't maybe, watched it. Maybe don't show it to the children. <laughs> no, no, no. We should definitely Won't show it to someone. Something. Think of the children. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he worked a lot with the Henson Company before moving into this, and then after this, he's got some TV credits, but not a ton else, and not things of particular interest. Starring Dolph Lundgren as He Man. Oh my God! Whew. And what a man he was. It is. Yes, true. Still kicking. <laughs> still kicking. Yeah, but I mean, is he as cut as he was? Probably close to. I don't think so. The last thing I saw him in was Creed 2, where he returned as Ivan Drago, which was Oh, yeah. Haven't seen it. Oh, you should. You should. You should. Haven't seen it. Creed at all. Oh, Creed's great. (gasps) Creed's like my third, maybe fourth favorite Rocky movie. I know it's, I know it's it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, It's just one of those ones that fell by the wayside in Mm. all these years. You shouldn't let it do that. You should watch (laughs) the movie. Okay. I mean, there's a third one coming. So there will be a trilogy. Yeah. Shit. So there you go. Watch the first two so you can watch the third one. That's not a bad idea. Have you seen all the Rocky movies? Not the later ones. Oh, bits of the later ones, but yeah. Yep. And a long time ago, they all kind of blur for me. Fair enough. London 
is a pretty fascinating dude. He's a rocket scientist, isn't he? Uh, well, I'll talk about it. Are yeah. you serious? Yeah. yeah. He was a karate. He was a karate champion in Europe. He moved to the US to study chemical engineering. Okay. And then got his master's in chemical engineering at the University of Sydney. Oh. Really? He went to UTS. Fuck That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So he spent a lot of time in Australia. During his time in Sydney, he worked as a bouncer in the cross. Fuck yes. <laughs> Imagine being thrown out by Dolph Lundgren. Fuck yeah, right? That would have been fucking awesome. To, to provide context to anybody from another country that's listening, the cross is a famous red light district in Sydney, King's Cross. Yeah. Um, that has some very, uh, over the past has had some very seedy elements. Yeah. Um, lots of strip clubs. Gangs, strip clubs, drugs, drug, violence. Drug, drug violence. Yeah. yeah. Basically where you go to party. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. It's kind of like a rite of passage for, yeah. for, for when, when you turn 18, if you live in New South Wales, to go party in the cross. Funnily enough, if I have my facts right, which I so rarely do, when I turned 18, I went out for my maiden voyage in the cross and had my first seizure there. And that's how I discovered I was epileptic. Oh, oh no. Yeah. That's good, how fucked up I was. Good time. That's terrifying. <laughs> hey, right of passage, right? Yeah, absolutely. He got into MIT as a Fulbright scholar. Holy shit. But before he moved, to, he was still living in Australia when that happened. But before he moved to the US, he was spotted working his job as a bouncer and hired by model actress and total badass Grace Jones to be her bodyguard. I know that name. Bald? No, Flat Top. Oh, Flat Top. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. I'm across it. Yep. And the two of them became lovers. That's right. She's so, she's a rig. She's amazing. Yeah. yeah she's incredible. She's in a James Bond movie where she plays a villain. Um, she's also That's in, right. She's in tons of stuff. She was a model actress. And she's who I always think plays that character in Mad Max, but is not. Okay. Tina Turner. That's the one. Thank you. <laughs> That's a weird. That's oh, a dear. weird way to. Yeah. Okay. Man. Not even close. <laughs> uh, he moved to New York with her and then dabbled in modeling before acting kind of became his thing. And his big break was as Ivan Drago in Rocky Four. Oh, really? Was that his first? That's his first movie. Oh shit. Yeah. So he never ended up going to MIT. No, he never ended up. He ended up pivoting into acting. And he never did better than Ivan Drago. Well, this was his next role. Yeah. He man. I mean, this is a great role. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's his first starring role. It's his first lead lead performance. Okay. Um, Sylvester Stallone, of course, Rocky, was also working with Menachem Golem on movies. Golem directed a couple of Rocky, a couple of um, Stallone movies. Ah. Menachem Golem being the guy from Canon Films. Yeah. And when that's Stall- right, that's how I know his yeah. name. Sorry. Yep. And when Stallone found out that Dolph Lundgren had been cast as He Man, Stallone was like. You gave that guy lines. <laughs> <laughs> he he said that talk. about someone. He said Holy that about Dolph shit. Yeah. Holy shit. After this, he was also in Red Scorpion, which is a. Uh, I've heard of that. Yep. That's, yeah. It's a pretty good movie. Uh, he played the Punisher in, in 1990 right. in a shit. movie that was shot in Sydney. So returning to his old stomping grounds. Yeah. Showdown in Little Tokyo. Which you guys I did know. Not I'm did regretting. Not. Yeah. Universal Soldier. That's right. Shit. Johnny Mononic. And then 15 years in director video wilderness <laughs> before. And so there's some good movies in there, but, but I'm not going to name check all of them. Um, yeah. And then he, before returning to theatrical films with the Expendables movies. Oh, with yeah. Stallone. Yeah. 
And he didn't go and do anything else in between that? He didn't go back to science or anything? No, he was just in movies. He's just in stuff. He has lots of credits in the, those wellness years. Okay. Lots of director video stuff. Yeah. It's funny how people who are like B stars still make enough money to live and, and be in that world. Yeah, residuals. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. And then a return to Universal Soldier. Fuck. He's in the, some of the, one of the more recent Universal Soldier movies. Those things are like 10 years old now. But both Jean-Claude Van Damme and, and Dolph Lundgren came back. The, the <laughs> continuity of those movies is crazy. Jean-Claude Van Damme came... They, they made a bunch of like direct-to-video direct to sequels, right? And then Jean-Claude came back and they ignored all the direct-to-video ones and just made a sequel to Universal <laughs> Soldier. And then... A couple of years later, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren both came back and they then ignored the sequel that Jean-Claude Van Damme was in. Oh, fuck. Have, just, have you seen all the movies? No. I've tried to- I didn't even know they were fucking sequels. Yeah. I tried to ret- to come back to those and I struggled a little bit. Really? Apparently the la- the, la- the later ones are quite good. They're very like throwbacky to- Are they my kind of movies? Like I would probably enjoy even the bad ones. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I really want to watch them. I mean, Universal Soldier is definitely on the list. Yeah, but yeah. all the sequels, it sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, and then Creed 2, which I already talked about. And then um, Aquaman. He plays. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who is he in Aquaman? He's, he's the dad the, of Amber Heard. Oh, okay. <laughs> which I was like, I was like, good for you, man. Get paid. Mm. Yeah. He's the best, man. I really liked him. I've always really liked Offline. I fucking love him. Yeah. Frank Langella as Skeletor. <laughs> I um had no fucking idea. So the first, like, Reference I have for this guy is the old guy in Ocean's Eleven. He's not in Ocean's Eleven. I'm sure he's the old guy in Ocean's Eleven that fakes a heart attack. <laughs> no, no, I swear I looked him up. Oh my god, bro, I looked no. this up. Franklin Jello? Yeah. No. No. Franklin Jello is not in fucking Ocean's Eleven. Dude, he's the not, old guy in Ocean's Eleven is in this movie Elliot somewhere. Elliot Guild. Is that who it is? Yeah. Dude, he's in this movie somewhere because I looked it up. You're insane. <laughs> You were fucking insane. I thought it was, I was like, under all that makeup, maybe. Frank Langella is Frank Langella. Now, I understand that he's wearing a mask and you don't know what he looks like. And he would have been young and I was like, okay, sure, maybe. He's one of my favorite actors. Really? Yeah. Dude. And Frank Langella is not in any of the fucking Oceans movies. I I honestly must have clicked the no, wrong person not, when I was not, looking I don't it think up. it's Elliot Gould that fakes the heart attack. It's the other older gentleman whose name I'm, I, I'm not remembering right now. Who they like see at the yeah. racetrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Will not this be fucking, old business? That's not fucking Frank Langella. No? That is, hold on, we have to. I thought he was too old. I fully <laughs> thought he was too old, but I was like, maybe Dolph Lundgren has just aged really well. Oh my God. Unbelievable. <laughs> This fucking guy. Why do we even podcast with Why him? Why do I derail things? That's every Carl Reiner. Carl Reiner. Fuck. So I've definitely clicked on the wrong face on IMDb and it's just taken me in a wrong direction. I mean, there's a vague... I mean, they kind of vaguely look the same. Not really. No. Carl Reiner is like a completely different person. My watch is telling me to calm down. <laughs> Legitimately, my watch has told me you need to calm the fuck down. I don't know. We're, we're barely in this. Okay, i got to keep moving. Yeah, please do. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So Frank Langella got his start on Broadway in the 1960s Yeah. before moving into movies, playing Dracula in 1979 Heck. after he'd also played him on Broadway on the, on the stage. And then he's in lots of movies. He's in tons of movies. He is also incredible as Dog Brown in Cutthroat Island. 
a movie that I maintain is a fucking misunderstood masterpiece of action cinema from the I late 90s. I feel like I've definitely seen that. What happened to It's a pirate movie from the 90s. Bankrupted a studio. Really? <laughs> it's, oh. it's an amazing story. I, I'm not going to go into Cuts yeah, yeah, yeah. because we're definitely doing Cuts You know who I thought it was originally? I thought it was Bill Nye originally. Oh, no. Yeah, and I was like, is that Bill Nye? And I had to look it up. Yeah. He's in, he's in tons of movies. There's too many movies for him to mention. He I always, fucking killed it, whoever always, this dude is. I always really <laughs> liked him in The Ninth Gate, which is a uh, kind of demonic cult. The Ninth Gate. Is that with it's Antonio Banderas? No, it's got it's got Johnny Depp in it. Unfortunately, Depp. it's directed by Roman Polanski, and I don't want to get into the politics yeah, of Roman Polanski. Frank Langella has always said that this is one of his favorite roles. It looked like fun. Yeah, because even though the script was absolute garbage, he got to choose scenery. And also, his child at the time loved He-Man and Masters of the Universe. Mad. So he got to be his child's action figure. That's Mad. pretty cool. Yeah. And he, I think he's what makes the movie work. He is fucking magnificent. He is there are, absolutely There are a incredible. few performances that really make the performance work, and they're villains. He is incredible in this movie. Yeah. I will go to bat. No matter what people think about this movie, I will go to bat for his performance in this movie because he is bringing, like, fucking Shakespearean stage era pathos to fucking Skeletor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, is which is incredible. Yeah. Unfortunately, most recently, he was fired for misconduct on the set of Mike Flanagan's upcoming adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's Fall of the House of Usher. No. What so kind of misconduct? Ken? They didn't go into details. They just said that he was inappropriate on set and that therefore he was there was an investigation and he was removed. He maintains that he's an older gentleman that likes to have a, have a joke. And that his jokes were misunder- misunderstood. Yep. So. Yep. 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 He's yep. a man. In his, he's a man in his eighties. Unfortunately, it feels like that's gonna, probably going to be the end of the end of his career. Yeah, unless someone really wants him, really likes him. But I'm going to leave that at that. Courtney Cox as Julie Winston. That was the biggest surprise yet. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I, when I saw that, I was like, "What, what the, the fuck? fuck? Yeah. Is this before Friends? Yes. Holy yeah, shit! Yeah. This, this be- is her. This is her first film. Fuck. So before this, her big break had been the uh, Bruce Springsteen Dancing in the Dark music video. Oh, that's right. She's the girl that dances with Bruce on stage. I have seen that. And it's, I have seen it's that. positioned like it's meant to be real, but it was yeah. staged at a concert for the music for the music video. Yeah. Um, and then she became famous. So she became famous. It doesn't she look was, real. She was cast in, in this. The one thing I know about her is that she was offered the role of Rachel and she turned it down to play Monica, who that seemed like a more complex role. And I respect that. Yeah. So. So after this movie, she was in Cocoon, The Return. She was in 19 episodes of Family Ties. And then, yeah, of course, uh, Friends and, for me, the Scream movies. That's right. Fuck, I always forget that. Yeah. It's entertaining um, because in her first scene in this movie, she's talking to someone named Monica. (laughs) She is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Other cast and crew, I will name check as they appear as always. Trailers. Trailers. Um, First of all, we get the first uh, example of a beta VHS, which I have never seen before. RCA Columbia Pictures Hoyts has introduced an innovative concept to ensure that you receive full value each time you hire a video program. All VHS video cassettes carry a red spine. This is your guarantee of first-class audio video presentation. If your VHS cassette does not look like this, then it's likely you're viewing an inferior pirated copy. Your beta cassette does not carry a red spine, but a similar protection of your investment is guaranteed by the exclusive Polaroid seal as shown here. If this is not the case, you're not getting your money's worth in picture, quality, and sound. Oh yeah, we got the security thing again, yeah. which is like make sure that you make sure that your tapes are legitimate. Yeah, and this piracy. is what a beta VHS would look like. 
Um, you didn't know what beta looked like? I've never seen one before. Okay. Yeah, is that beta, not- beta pre predates VHS? Yeah, and was a better format, but yeah. VHS won the marketing war. Yeah, and why? then we ended up with VHS. Why did that happen? Because marketing. So right. what happened is, is that okay? So we're moving to home video. There's all kinds of different formats. So X X companies. So let's just say, for example, like Sony and Panasonic won't go with VHS and two others, Samsung or an LG. I don't even know if these are the real, the real mm. companies, right? Let's just say that they are go with beta. Yeah. And so they put tapes into market and players into the market and the market decides they like VHS better. And then eventually everybody just starts doing VHS. Could you re-record over betas like you could with VHSs? I don't remember. My mm. grandfather, my, my gramps, he had a, he had tapes on beta. He had Monty Python tapes on beta. <laughs> so, like my so why was beta better? It had better picture quality and better sound. It was higher fidelity than VHS. Right. But the market chose VHS because VHS was marketed better and also more widely available. Fair enough. The first way I learned about beta as a format was in The Mighty Boosh, where like the beta was like a character. Okay. <laughs> like came and attacked and was like, I'm a better format, but I was still thrown by the wayside. It was really, I really good. That. <laughs> okay. Oh, I missed that show. Trailers? <laughs> Fred Savage. Vice versa with Judge Reinhold and Fred Savage. Something on me, Dad. I've been up since six and I have a very tough day ahead. I wish I could change places with you. Well, I wish I could too. Inside Marshall Seymour, successful businessman, divorced father, and self-styled workaholic beats the heart of a little boy. Because Marshall Seymour is about to become his 11-year-old son, Charlie. Awesome. And vice versa. Maybe this happened all over America. What's going to happen to you? You're six foot two with the brain of an 11 year old. Charlie may be getting to that age. He's losing it. Uh-huh. I think he has a crush on me. No way! You never told me you had to see my home room teacher. You never told me what happened. I'll do anything you want, Sam. It's not what I want. It's what we want as a unit. She's worried about your unit, Dad. It's a Freudian nightmare. Judge Reinhold. Are you all right? Do I look all right? Fred Savage. I don't suppose you have any great coupons. Vice versa. What if we're stuck like this? Oh, my God. I have to go through puberty again. Beverly Hills Cop Guy. Yeah, Beverly Hills Cop Guy. I love that guy. Fast Times at Ridgemont High Guy. This is basically Freaky Friday with boys, right? Yes. So it's a dude version of Freaky Friday, but it turns out that it's an adaptation of a British novel from 1882. 1882? (laughs) Yes. Stretch. About about fathers and sons learning to understand each other by swapping bodies with each other. Did anyone? In a novel in in 1882. I think I might have seen this when I was a kid. Yeah. I'm not 100% on it. The trailer was just really familiar. I mm-hmm. mean, it could be because it's in front of this tape, but I'm pretty sure that I've seen, seen this movie. Yeah. Did anyone um, catch the um, extremely weird Freudian uh, things about- I mean, That's the whole movie. Yeah, the whole right? Movie is just- I was like, oh, this feels like Freaky Friday, but touching on a lot of concepts that like I would not touch with a 10-foot pole. I'm no, surprised because- that that's what you took away from the trailer. Well, I was, I was just like, <laughs> it's a thing where like, Movies had some concepts in them back in the day where it's just like awkward. You know what I mean? Like it's just awkward to kind of rehash and you look at it and you're like, oh, wow, 
movies would stay away from that these yeah, days. Yeah, things were played for laughs back then that wouldn't be laughed at now. Yeah, people, yeah. And things were like, I don't know how to phrase it, but things were not just okay to make fun of, but they were funny. Where like I feel like modern audiences are more awkward about certain concepts. Yeah, probably. Yeah, like a son having to deal with the interests of his mother is just like, mm, let's not, you know, let's not, let's avoid that. Yeah, I mean, it's awkward. I'm sure it's fine in the movie. <laughs> Kean's just decided not to pick up this line of conversation. I'm I, not surprised. I, I already tried decided to where not. I'm going to cut. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Silent voice. It began in a small town in America. It began in the heart of a young boy and in the faith of an amazing man. Mr. Smith read about you in the paper, Chuck. He gave up what he did best because of this idea, and I don't think he should be alone. Real event to have you visit us this way. Are you going to organize it from here? If you're so bored that you need some kind of crusade to make you happy, you could at least leave my kid out of it. He's just a boy. True, but he started it. A boy who took a stand. I wish I could say that I was more like you when I was your age. I didn't have your grip. A man who stood beside him. You're just going to walk out on your contract on your life. For what? They never planned on being heroes. I know why you're doing this. They only did what they felt was right. You stood up for your beliefs. That feels good. But this work we're doing, these negotiations, they're more important than those feelings. Get out of here! Get out of America! Why are you ready? Impossible for me to say when any of these very powerful players could prove dangerous to your Mr. Smith. I just want you to come back. Just come back to Boston. Silent voice. You are dangerous, kid. Come in. A story dedicated to the dream that one person can yeah. make a difference. Chuck, ever since this whole thing started, there's something that I've been meaning to say to you. I'm real proud of you. think that this movie is about i wanted to know what it is that they're protesting um civil rights that's what i thought something like that <laughs> not even close i have to tell you about this movie i could i was like we were i watched that trailer I, i've never heard of this movie and i was like i have no idea what the fuck this movie because they're about. clearly protesting something yeah does he and not, it does say, not anything? say what it is. they does never explain in the, they never explain the movie what the fuck the plot of the movie is yeah it looks it's like a civil just, rights thing okay yep it's not. Uh, in the US, this movie was called Amazing Grace and Chuck. Okay. So this is from the Wikipedia plot summary. <laughs> Our good friend Wikipedia. Chuck, a 12-year-old boy from Montana and the son of a military jet pilot, becomes anxious after seeing a Minuteman missile on a school trip. Chuck protests the existence of nuclear weapons by refusing to play baseball, which results in the forfeit of his little league team. <laughs> 
Wait what? for it. Wait. Amazing Grace Smith, a fictional Bostic Celtics player, played by an NBA star, Alex English, catches a, blur- a blurb about <clears> the story <throat> in a newspaper and decides to emulate Chuck, saying he will no longer participate in professional sports unless there are no more nuclear weapons. Well, I'm glad neither of them played any more sport. This gives it national-wide coverage, inspiring more pro athletes to join the protest against nuclear weapons. Smith then moves to Montana to meet with Chuck and buys an old barn, which he and other athletes renovate into their residence. Smith's agent, Lynn, played by fucking Jamie Lee Curtis, is unsure about what he hopes to accomplish, but decides to support him. The film reaches a climax when the President of the United States, Gregory Peck, personally meets with Chuck. Admiring his resolve, but at the same time explaining the practical difficulties of disarmament. What the fuck is this movie? Yeah. There was also a shot of Gregory Peck at one of the baseball games, like wild. On. Yeah. Absolutely fucking wild. So he obviously accomplishes nothing and then goes back to sport. And I, everyone's still like, good work. I have good no work. idea. Fucking Either crazy. that or they disarm that, America. Just talking <laughs> about this movie cast. made me so tired. <laughs> weird movie. Like, Overtly po- political message movie yeah. that could only exist in this period of time. Hey, this lefties, right this is why you're wrong, but we respect you for it. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, pretty crazy cast. Uh, yeah, Gregory Peck, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, William Peterson, who's the father. Um, he's the original Will Graham in um, from Manhunter, which is the adaptation oh, of Red Dragon. I thought you said Will Robinson. I was like, what? <laughs> Directed by Mike Newell, who. Directed Four Weddings and a Funeral, Donnie Brasco, Pushing Tin, and Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. I knew I knew the name. I knew I knew the name. It's my favorite Harry Potter movie. You know why it's my favorite Harry Potter movie? I mean, it is the best. You know why? Objectively. I think I do, but I can't remember. It's got a tournament in it. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. course. (laughs) Uh, Happy New Year, starring Peter Falk. You know, in life, there are two kinds of people. There are the customers and there are the merchants. And the time has come for the customers to start screwing the merchants. Oh, Seconds passing the Epicurean is the restaurant. Point number three, 33 seconds passing Gucci's. It's a nice straight line. Now step on it. Go ahead, hit it. Point number four, passing the Everglades. Point number five, 55 seconds, Marina Guards. Number six, one minute, 17 seconds, you arrive at the boat. Point number seven, one minute, 32 seconds, stow the jewels and anchors away. Now this is what I'm waiting for. Nick on the job, like a a fine-tuned clock. He was something, all concentration, but he wasn't listening to me. Yeah, no comment. No comment. Nothing. I don't have any notes. I just have heist. Yeah, it's, it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a crime caper movie about aging thieves looking for one last big score from the director of Rocky and the Karate Kid. So they so are Jody Avildsen. So does that mean it's a good movie then? I don't know. I don't know. It, it seems looks, like it a bit of fun. fun. It looked like a fun kind of comedy, and I, I like Peter Falk. It's like I love Peter Falk. I, I thought it was though. that kind of era where like we're just suspending our disbelief about these fat old white people being able to do things. Sure. You know what I mean? Where I was like, 
is it, but I'm glad it is the type of movie who's like, no, they're aging and obviously like definitely still can't do things, but like they're going to give it one last go. Yeah. Yeah. The other guy, so his partner in crime, is Charles Durning, who as a young man stormed the beaches of Normandy on D-Day and went on to star in The Sting, Dog Day Afternoon, which he is fucking incredible in, huh. the, the Muppet movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Though? And here's Dennis Leary's father in Rescue Me, which ah. we used to watch. I don't know that one. It's a good show. Hmm. Dennis Leary is a, is a firefighter after 9-11. Okay. Just being caustic as fuck. Terrible human being. World's greatest firefighter. Ha <laughs> ha, man. Foot Rot Flats. Foot Rot Flats. Your favorite characters come to life on the big screen. the dog's tale. His loyal devotion to his mate, Wall Footrot, whom he saves from a fate worse than death. Uh, g'day, Cheeky. I, um... From out of the living hell of the Tauranga cat's home, riding in a cardboard box in the back of Aunt Dolly's car, the short, tubby stranger hits Footrot flats like a blow from a feather duster. Will Cooch recover his stolen stag? become an all-black. Will dog survive against the villainous Murphys? I'm coming, Daddy! G'day, Walt. Are you looking for something? Uh, look, I'll level with you, Coop. Man to man, like. I've lost my little dog. His adventures with horse, the cat with the barracuda jaw, and fish hook claws. Who is the nameless dark stranger with white bits who meows at pig dogs and dreams of fame and fatherhood? Footrot Flats, The Dog's Tale. Do you think this will make me a star? Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. Footrot, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck is this Do you guys know what this is? No. no. I have no idea. No oh clue. My God. Okay, so it's a cartoon adaptation of a daily comic book strip. That was a massive deal in Australia and New Zealand in the 1980s. Because it is a New Zealand thing, It's a right? New Zealand, it's a New Zealand yeah. um, movie. And I saw this at the movies when I was a kid. I wow. went to the cinema when I was a small child to watch this movie at the movies. It looked like a horrible acid trip. <laughs> it made $2.5 million at Fuck. the New Zealand box office, making it the top grossing New Zealand film until The Piano in 1993. Wow. Whoa. In Australia, it made $4.4 million, making it the most successful animated film in Australia until Disney's The Lion King in 1990. Wow. Just to give you a sense of how big this movie this movie is it was. Before how do we not after know the what Magic it is? Pudding. <laughs> I don't even know what that is, but that's fine. That's like a big Australian like animated okay. thing, isn't it? Four Reflects was so big, at one point there was a theme park. Shut up. There was a theme park. It was massive. It was like on merchandise everywhere. I owned Foot Rot Flats stuff when I was a kid. I had Foot Rot Flats characters. I mean, it looks dope. But just like between us, it looks dope. The song in the trailer, Slice of Heaven by David David Dobbin and the band The Herbs was the number one hit 
Holy song shit. in Australia for more than a month. The year that Holy that movie came out. How do we not know what this is? I have and then no idea. It just disappeared from public consciousness. Clearly. What year? Yeah, 87, around the same time. 86, 87. Shit. Around the same year as, as this movie. That's wild. Yep. I can't believe I've never, ever heard of this. Yep. I used to read. I have Foot Rock Flats comics at home still. Okay. It, all, everything that I saw in the trailer looked it's, cool. I mean, it's very cheaply made. It was That movie was mostly animated in Australia a, as well. It was a style. Yeah. I, I, was, I was down with yeah, the style. Yeah, it was style. mostly made in, made in Sydney. Very cool. It's amazing. Who wants to recap the premise of Masters of the Universe? I I would love to, but I think it's your your. If turn. you want to do it, then go <laughs> right ahead. No, I think you should have a go because he's yeah. done the last few. Yeah, I agree. It's just, you know, if he's excited about it. I am very excited about it. Um, Masters of the Universe is about He-Man and his friends. They lost their key on Earth and them and Skeletor and the other bad guys are trying to get it back. Yeah. I mean, that that is bare bones. Yeah. But that's what a recap of a premise should be. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you go too far into the weeds, Brody. <laughs> but the weeds are the best part. Mm. <laughs> well, like, in the Blockbuster Entertainment Guide to Movies and Videos from the year 1998, the entry for Masters of the Universe, He-Man and art villain Skeletor, a hammy Langella, battle for a magical key. Fantasy yarn may entertain youngsters. There's comic book type violence. Pos- positively mind-numbing for others. Two stars. <laughs> That is a harsh. That is a terribly low rating harsh. for a film that Real harsh. doesn't deserve it. Janet Maslin of New York Times did, did not, not review. <laughs> yeah, yeah, saw that saw, coming. Yeah, and I didn't find a contemporary review either. This movie is streaming everywhere pretty much on, on MGM+. Plus. If you have that in your country, you can just find it. There's also a Blu-ray. Buy the Blu-ray. I'm sure it, it was on Netflix when the cartoon was remade just recently. I don't think so oh, because no. it's, a, it's in the MGM library. So the MGM library in Australia is with mostly with Stan. Okay. At least it was until Amazon brought, bought MGM and now most of MGM stuff is migrating back to MGM Plus, which you can buy as an add-on channel on Amazon Prime. Okay. Well, there was a bunch of He-Man stuff on Netflix not too long ago. Yeah, not, but even not the original cartoon. Also, rights are all over the place uh, that for different things because the film rights are very separate than the cartoon rights. I remember very clearly in the early days of DVD that this was a movie that I went out of my way to import into this country Good. because not it used surprised. to be difficult to buy things from overseas. In order to do that, I had to convince my mother to give her credit card details to the internet, and it took weeks to get her to agree. I thought you were about to say, and it took all of her money. No, it took weeks to get her to agree to put her banking details into a, into a website, because who knows what they're going to do with them. I know. Thank God for PayPal. My backstory with this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So still going. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I put a lot of um I put a lot of He-Man toys on the table today as yeah, well yeah, as I the, play with the Viewmaster. There okay. is a there is a Viewmaster with some He-Man reels. There is some There comics. is a fucking yoked skeletal. There is a very yoked blue skeletal <laughs> and He-Man. Yeah, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe was the biggest toy in the world and I was there for it. I watched that show every day of the week. I watched that cartoon. The cartoon every day of the week. I had the toys. Question, is the cartoon about a civil war as well? Yeah, kind of. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, we'll get into that. Okay. That's later. Because I was like, this feels like a little bit more political than I thought it was going to be. In the sense of like- I don't know where you're getting politics from, but yeah. Yeah, maybe not politics. It's just good versus evil. Yeah, essentially. But there's like a 
throne that is being overthrown and then retaken and things like that. Is yep, that what the cartoon's what, about? Yeah, basically. Yeah, I I haven't really seen much of it. Okay, it's okay. We're going to talk about I it. I know the the power line. I've, I've heard that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Okay. I begged my mother for the Castle Greyskull playset. I've seen that. I've seen that. Yeah, for my birthday or for Christmas. And I got one. But when we opened the box, there was pieces missing. No. And my mum returned it, but couldn't get another one because of how popular the toys were. No, Ken, And therefore, I'm I so never sorry. got that toy. And to I'm this so day. sorry. That's like a famous toy. Yeah. And now it's worth a fucking fortune. On now he wishes he just kept the one that had missing oh, pieces. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel your heartache. Yeah. I, I personally don't know what that's like, but I feel your yeah. heartache. And I saw this movie at the movies. Yeah, fucking earth. Yeah, I remember going to see this movie at the movies. I have clear memories about going. This to is see the best it. popcorn movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's... You know how like just there's some movies where you can just mindlessly shovel popcorn in and you're just down with it? That's this this kind of movie, I feel. This is one of my first memories of ever going to a cinema. Really? Yep. Cute. My stepdad, Dave, took me. I remember really clearly how excited and how amped up I was coming out of the cinema. Okay. Like I just remember the feeling of just pure childhood excitement <laughs> coming out of the cinema. And then when I got back home, the very first thing I did was go outside and play with sword fights with my friends <laughs> and yeah. pretend to be like He-Man. <laughs> did did you go? Did Dave take you with friends or just you? Just, it was just the two of us. That's pretty cute. Yeah. And this movie probably should have been one of the biggest movies of all time, but it wasn't. <laughs> um, by the time that this came out, the He-Man bubble had burst. Damn. The entire market had been oversaturated. There were hundreds of fucking He-Man figures and variations by the time that this movie came out. And the bottom fell out of it. There was just no market for it. It was diluted. It was diluted, yeah. So this movie only made $17 million on a $22 million budget Aww. in 1987. That's rough. And it was They lost a lot of coke on this movie. <laughs> they did. And it was fucking savaged by critics. Oh, man, that sucks. They were affronted that a studio had the gall to make a movie out of a cartoon that was basically a commercial for a toy line. I mean, that's every which is cartoon. hilarious today. Yeah, yeah, that's true. At the time, it was mocked for being based on a cartoon. And yes, this is a canon film produced by Golan and Globus. And towards the end, where they were bleeding money and had to cheap out, mm. <laughs> which is why most of this movie is set on Earth. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> because they moved all the action to Earth because then really they had to, you know, shoot some stuff in the desert with some matte paintings, build like maybe three sets. I remember the then, first couple of shots I was like, the sets are fucking impressive yeah. in this. And then the rest of it was just shot around LA. <laughs> that sucked. And, yeah, they dreamt that this would be the Star Wars of the 1980s and were, even though it was a flop, we're very keen to make a, to make a sequel. And we're in production on a sequel when the, when the company's creditors. No. Yeah. Although they were going to make a very cheap sequel. They were just going to use the name. Yeah. They weren't really interested. Like nobody was coming back. Nobody was coming back. And the sequel was going to be titled Master of the Universe 2 Cyborg. <laughs> it was I really want to see that film. It was written. The script, the, again, this is from Wikipedia, so who knows how accurate it is. But the script followed He-Man, who'd returned to Earth to battle Skeletor after Earth was left a, a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Awesome. Okay. With so a really low budget. I love post-apocalyptic films. It would have been four and a half million dollars, which is oh. like not even a quarter of what they spent on the oh, original. man. Um, the project was abandoned because Canon wasn't willing to pay Mattel for the fees for the rights 
to no. use the toys and the characters. And so the production instead utilized the already made costumes and sets for a low budget science fiction movie called Cyborg starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I think I've seen maybe the poster yes. for this movie. Yeah. That was meant to be Masters of the Universe 2. Oh, fuck yeah. Now I'm going to go watch that. Am I allowed to go watch that? No. Oh. Definitely on the list for the podcast. Damn. Yeah. And that's kind of the making of this movie. Uh, let's start talk, fucking talking about Masters of the Universe. Yes, please. Oh my God. Canon logo again. Yeah. Chills. Yep. Such a good time. And then for our opening, we get a voiceover introducing us to the epic struggle between light and dark. At the center of the universe, at the border between the light and the dark, stands Castle Grayskull. For countless ages, the sorceress of Grayskull has kept this universe in harmony. But the armies of darkness do not rest, and the capture of Grayskull is ever most in their minds. For to those that control Grayskull will come the power. The power to be supreme. The power to be almighty. The power to be masters of the universe. <laughs> and then we just rip off the credits from Superman as Bill Conti's score, which is fucking incredible. Yeah. It's like half of the movie. The reason any of this movie works is because of the score. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, rips off Star Wars. 100%. Fair enough. Star Wars and Superman are the two big things. The credits are... Lift- oh, I can see Superman. The credits are lifted that. directly from the credits of Superman. It's the exact same style. Huh. And at the end of the credits, we explode into Eternia. Yep. Yeah. So yep. as soon as we got shots of Eternia, I was like, oh, so this is Star Wars. Yeah. 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 It like exactly looks like it. Yeah. The deserts, the outfits, the costumes, the even the throne room. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it has massive Star Wars energy. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> even as Skeletor's walking out, I was like, Palps? Yeah. And, <laughs> and Vader. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Right? Completely. 100%. Yeah. And black stormtroopers. Yes. They were just, we'll they were just we'll completely stormtroopers. Yeah. So we started at Vasquez Rocks. Kira's heard me, heard me talk about Vasquez Rocks before. It's many a location. <laughs> many times. Many, many times. You tell me about Vasquez Rock. Lots of movies have been shot there. Correct. It gets used all the time. It's just outside LA. Yes. They, it did look familiar. <laughs> That's all I can say. It looked Thank familiar. You. Thank you. You're I like welcome. It. What movies have been used shot there? Used in um, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yes. Ah, shit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How did you know that that was what I was going to talk about? You must know me too well. <laughs> okay, yeah. So it's been used since the 1930s for hundreds of of movies and TV shows because yeah. it is just outside LA. It's like 30 miles from LA. So it's within the a circle that operates outside of LA that is what's called the LA production zone. And if you make a movie within there, you get certain kind of exemptions and tax sure. things because it's a hub of filmmaking. Yeah. So Vasquez Rocks is a way for you to go to the desert, but actually not go very far outside of LA to get yeah. to the desert. It's where Captain Kirk fought the Gorn in the original ah, Star man. Trek TV show, which I knew you would know. Um, and Star Trek has continued to use the location for lots of different versions of their show, very including cool. most recently in Picard. It shows up in Picard as well. Hectic. Yeah. So it's a, it's very iconic to Star Trek, but also lots of music videos. As Kira mentioned, it is where evil Bill and Ted kill Bill and Ted in Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Yep. Mad. Like as soon as Vasquez Rocks shows up in something, I'm like, Vasquez Rocks. Yeah. And then he names every movie that's been shot there, <laughs> even though we've had this conversation 20 times. I <laughs> uh, love it. I love it. I am who I am. Yeah. Now at least you're doing a podcast where you can just be like, refer to this episode. Yes. Yeah. After a quick shot of Skeletor's soldiers leading some Etonians at Laser Point, we cut to the throne room of Grayskull. This, um, you have to put the castle together yourself. <laughs> and Skeletor takes fucking stage. 
Jesus Christ, I'm already into this movie yeah, so hard at this point. The oh. sound of his staff like banging in rhythm as he's walking and the score and stuff. It was just, it was such a strong choice to open with the big wide open planes and then the throne room. Yeah. Two of their biggest set pieces, really. Well, it's it's I mean, really the only big sets of the Exactly. Have, yeah. But I was like, whoa, okay, they put some effort into this movie. I'm fucking down. That set is where they spent the money, yeah. right? So that set was so massive that it actually extends outside the stage doors. Huh. So there's that there's a at the very end where the door where the doors yep. are, there's a smaller section where the stage where the throne room is like kind of like a hallway and then yep. it opens in. That's because it goes outside this the sound stage. Where they <laughs> where they portal into at uh when they first have the key? No, that's a different that's a different okay. section. Like so as Skeletor is marching in, they kind of come through a smaller yep. hallway. And that smaller hallway is literally outside of the stage. And then we quickly learn from Evil Inn, Meg Foster, Sue from Best of the Best 2. Hey. Holy shit. Those eyes. Holy yeah. shit. Oh my god, Evil Lynn. First yeah, of all, I know, Evil right? Lynn. Yeah. Um, How did we not notice that? I, I mentioned it on Best of the Bears. Yeah, I fully you did looked too. I fully looked her up and I was like, whoa, her eyes are actually crazy. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Oh, fuck. Uh, yeah, we quickly learned from Evil Inn that this movie actually opens with Skeletor having won. Skeletor yeah. wins at the start of this movie, having taken Grayskull. Ours. Strong choice. Mine. <laughs> but like, strong choice to go fully no, we're going to remove the hero from position of power and we're going to make them the rebels. Yeah. I loved it. Fucking loved yeah, it. Yeah, it's Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're the Empire. 100%. And um, they open with... They open with. So in the cartoon, it's real loose to the cartoon. Yeah. It's not very close. It's one of the things that people hated about it at the time was uh, that people didn't like the fact that they just changed everything. So what they kept was good versus evil, Skull, He-Man, Right, Skeletor. versus Skeletor. Yeah. So, and then some of the other uh, other side characters. side characters. Yeah. But then they did replace characters with uh, with other new characters, which I'll talk about as we kind of as we kind of move through. They're like approximations, aren't they? Kind of, yeah. yeah. So they they change they change the characters. And I mean, some of the characters in fucking He Man are ridiculous though, oh, to have yeah, them absolutely. on screen. So yeah. Skeletor is always trying to take Grey Skull. That yeah. is what he does in every single cartoon, and he always fails. This movie opens with Skeletor taking Grayskull, having won. Yeah, it's mad. Yeah. How did Baby Keen think about that? I was good with it. Yeah? Yeah, I was fine with it. I'm still fine with it. Was this out before X-Men? X-Men is from the 19, it's from the, X-Men is from the late 60s, early 70s, I believe. Yeah, Brody's showing. So one of the things I've got on the table is a bunch of uh, Masters Universe mini comics. Those came with the characters. So they cool. have a completely different lore and story than the cartoon. Oh, oh really? Because they were created before there was a cartoon. I, I was pointing it out because there's one that looks exactly like the Phoenix Force from X-Men. Well, that's the Sorceress. Ah, right. Kira can post photos of my mini comics up on the Instagram so that you know what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah, fucking cool. So yeah. Skeletor chews up some scenery with the Sorceress. <laughs> yeah. Who tells him that he uh, tells her that he hasn't won yet. He-Man is still alive. And he takes that personally. So he steals <laughs> some of the sorceress's life energy and activates a hollow sphere so that he can address all of Eternia. The war is over. His first decree is that all those that do not pledge themselves to him will be destroyed. And while he is monologuing, we see the blonde locks of our boy, our man, oh. Dolph Lundgren, as He-Man, 
Prince Adam, not included. Oh, and those, those, um, oh yeah. Cause that's his alter ego. Yeah. There's no it? alter ego in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So he, tra- he has a secret identity like Superman. He's yeah. Prince, he's Prince Adam and he turns into He-Man when he says, I have, draws the sword and says, I have the power. I have the power. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he doesn't. Yeah, because he he has that He-Man line, but he's just already He-Man. Uh, and he turns to camera and Jesus, you could lose an eye on those pecs. <laughs> the, the 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 crease in between them is so deep, it's like staring into the void. You could snuggle in it. You really you could. could sleep in there. Oh my god, you wouldn't get out. You could house a fa- oh, family of four in there. <laughs> you need to know how to like boulder and rock climb to get out of there. It's amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> He's like naked through this entire movie. Yeah, and I'm down He's for it. He's wearing underwear and a fucking cape through yeah. this movie with a fucking bondage harness on. Um, and can I just say, great choice on the hair. Yeah. No. Great choice on changing the hair from the blonde bob. Yeah. It's a little yeah. more feathered. Yeah, much more 80s. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, we see some uh, stormtroopers, I mean skeletroopers, <laughs> who are trying real hard, real hard to be Star Wars. So I loved, yeah, so I loved the uh, the look that they did with the olden style knight face yeah. onto the star trooper yeah. body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was and a we great get, adaption. We get the exact same wide shot of Eternia. Yeah. Just flipped. And oh. this is, it's just this is it's the, the same, it's second the same of three times they show this exact, exact shot. Same shot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cheap movie. Yeah, yeah. So they're carrying creatures, a creature in a net. Himan jumps them and then takes them out with his sword and laser rifle. Is that the is is this character the wizard dude? Yeah. So we're about to talk about that. Give me a second okay. and, we'll, and we'll talk to that. He takes them out with his yeah, his sword and laser rifle with an assist from John Cypher as Man-at-Arms and Chelsea Field as Teela. Both oh, of them, my God. Both of them are mostly TV characters and each sold separately. <laughs> and in the net, they rescue Gwildor. Gwildor. Played by little person Billy Barty. Barty was an actor from when he was a baby and his credits span from 1927 to the year 2000. There's another oh, guy that wow. was fucking chewing 1927? Yes, he was, a, he was a baby when he was in a, in a, in a movie How for the first How old time. was he when he? He was, an older, he was quite yeah. an older man when yeah. he was in this. That's insane. Yeah, and uh, the other movie that I know him from is Willow, where he plays the high old one in Willow. And yes, he's a replacement of Orko, of the character Orko, because Orko floats around. Right. Interesting. So they created a new character, Gwildor the locksmith, and then they don't have to have a character floating around because yep. that would cost money. Yep, yep, yep. Well, that's a shame. But I feel like they've done that in a lot of adaptations from games and and Yeah, they just invent yeah. new ca- they just invent new characters. There would yeah. have there would be a toy of Gwildor after the movie. Because, of course, they're not leaving money on the table. <laughs> mm, um, did you ever have a Gwildor? No, I don't have any of the movie toys. Yeah. Do you wish you did? Kind of. I, um, do, I do have a watch list search for <laughs> He-Man characters on eBay. Of course you do. Um, but, you know, I own quite a few, so. He fucking, him and Gwildor. Oh, the, the older singer. gentleman, sorry. Man at Arms is who you mean. Yes. 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 So John Cypher. John Cypher and, and Gwildor chewed the scenery. I really enjoyed both of them. The Eternians are having a good time. Yeah, they're having a real good time. And what was the, is it the daughter of the Man at Arms? Yeah, Teela is, is Man at Arms' daughter, yes. Teela, where did she go? Because she is trying to be as respectful as possible. She is dropped at gorgeous. Yeah, she's a beautiful woman. Yeah, it's cut from mostly marble. Just, mostly just TV stuff. Okay. Yeah, I didn't write down a bunch of their, bunch of their credits. So not, I not big at, fame. Not things that we would probably talk about on the podcast, right? Okay. So just 
like they ended they're both working actors they mostly worked in television did lots of guest roles so walk on roles for for every a TV bunch show. of the shows at the a time. bunch of the shows right so whatever sure. shows running they probably had an episode of that show at some point right but yeah jesus men at arms they did a pretty faithful um yep and outfit and stuff and yeah. taylor a little bit as well they want to know why skeletor wants grildor and he takes them to his house <laughs> he's so upfront and honest these are just strangers you're meeting yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that. Yeah, we'll talk about very some of that true. Later. Very true. At Gwildor's house, he wants to show them the cosmic key. <laughs> well, his prototype, Skeletor, has the other one. The tones it generates can open a door to anywhere, and that's how Skeletor was able to get into oh, Grayscale. Yeah. Why do 80s movies have to revolve around synth music? <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so good. Gwildor explains that Evelyn tricked him into giving her uh, giving uh, her the key. Her name is Evil Lynn. How was he meant to know she was from Snake Mountain? She was beautiful. <laughs> I mean, her lesson, eyes? Lesson number one, don't trust women from Snake Mountain. Oh, fair enough. That's that age-old prophecy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He-Man wants to use the prototype key to get into Grayskull, but if they use it, Skeletor will be able to track them because mm. reasons. And it won't matter in a second because apparently Gwildor just has a passage into Grayskull from, from his basement or yeah. something. Yeah. And it's too late anyway because one of Skeletor's goons, Karg, <laughs> not based on a toy yet, <laughs> and some skelly troopers are at the front door, so Gwildor takes them out the secret passage to the caverns underneath. Karg is obviously like a redo version, a movie version of the snake henchman that, that Skeletor had, right? He's a, just a monster variation. He's yeah. not meant to be that vi- that villain. He was, they, they went to town with him. They gave him a hook hand. Yep. And he- Gross he, face. Uh, and he was putting in some some work as an actor, like yeah. the way he was moving around yeah. like a snake. I really appreciated yeah. it. It really added to my uh, uh, immersion. Yeah. Gwildor doesn't like adventures. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys notice what Karg was saying as he comes in through the door? No. Yeah. He's going, find the key. Is he? Don't know there's a second key yet. Huh. Ah. I did not pick that up. Right. Famous yeah. mistake of this movie. Find the key. Tear this place apart. Well, you do wonder why he's there, but then it's like, well, they're meant to be hunting Gwildor. Yeah. yeah. But he literally says, find the key. <laughs> I didn't even pick that up. Skeletor already has the key. I love it. They don't know that there's another key. Oh, that's right. And Gwildor even says, if he knew there was another one, I'd be dead. Yes. So then we get another wide shot of Grayskull. It's the same fucking shot. Also, why isn't Gwildor already dead if he already has one key? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Gwildor has zero stealth. He's just so yeah. loud. But it's too quiet in there. That's right. They sneak over to the sorceress. She's imprisoned in an energy field that only Skeletor can dissolve. And just sucking away her life force. I love that there's just an empty throne room like two seconds after they take over Grace Carl. <laughs> Everyone's just at lunch. They got other things to do. They gotta like survey their kingdom. Generally there's some there's guards in the Skeletor's throne. Skeletor's gotta powder his skull. Yeah. Well they haven't figured out who's in charge of keeping an eye on the throne room. So yeah, have, that's true. They need to delegate. Yeah, true. This yeah. is why this is why they lost. Not prepared. The sorceress is played by Christina Pickles. Is that a real name? Yes. <laughs> Who is Monica's mum in Friends? Oh, my God, she is too. Mad. She's a good time. Like, I'm not a Friends fan, but, like, Monica's mum is, is, you know. She's so much younger that, yeah, I didn't. 
Because she's in all lady makeup for most of the movie because yeah. she's aging as the force Yeah, but field. we do see her younger. Yeah, um, toward the end of the movie. But she doesn't look like, because she's obviously older when she's playing Monica. Yeah. yeah. He-Man asks Gwildor to open a door in the energy field that's surrounding the sorceress by mapping the tones. The sorceress tells him that he, she can only withstand the energy drain until moonrise when the <laughs> great eye of the open, of the universe opens. Straight up lie. <laughs> <laughs> The Skelly Troopers march in, and so does Evelyn with that Archboy Skeletor. He repeats the exposition that once the eye opens, Skeletor will be bestowed with the powers of Greyskull, and the Sorceress will die. Everything, all the logic tracking so far. What? Okay. <laughs> He-Man and Skeletor banter. It's always been me. Yeah. And Evelyn realizes that the locksmith has another key. And a laser fight breaks out in the throne room. Yep. And Men-at-Arms yells at Gwildor to open a door to anywhere to get them out of there, which he does. Uh, He-Man doesn't want to leave the sorceress, but she tells him to go. And they start jumping through the door. I um, I love the way that they held guns in this movie. So, like, untrained about how to hold actual it's, guns. It's a laser It's a laser rifle. Uh, yeah. You don't know anything about laser rifles. It's very, very <laughs> accurate. There's, there might be no kickback on laser rifles. What no. am I talking about? No. Well, because they're just pretending. Yes, I because know. Because the laser gets put in afterwards, Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> you mean they didn't invent laser guns for this movie? No. Well, they can't afford laser guns. <laughs> how lazy. Not with this budget. And then, yeah, as... They are jumping through the doorway. The key gets shot out of Gwildor's hand and He-Man picks up Gwildor and jumps through. And just as some scaly troopers are about to grab the key, a grappling hook comes through and snatches it through the gate just in time. Yeah, that's right. The grappling hook. The grappling hook, which comes back yeah. a couple of times. And Skeletor is pissed. Wherever they are, they'll use it again and he wants them traced. God, just every bit he's chewing it up. I must possess all or I yeah. possess nothing. Yeah, that's <laughs> He's right. chewing this whole fucking movie down. Just going so hard. It's like- There's you know no why, reason to go this hard. But you know why I thought it, it was um, Bill Nye? Because remember Bill Nye in Underworld? Yeah, how also he's just chewing like scenery, yeah. outclassing the whole movie. Yeah, he doesn't. Like, it's one of those movies where an actor knows they're not in a good movie and just does not give a fuck. They're yeah. like, I'm going to make the absolute most of every line of dialogue that I have 100%. to just do my thing. Hundred percent. I honestly believe that Frank Langella is the best thing in this movie, and he elevates this movie yeah, fully. to be much better than it should be for its budget, its script and everything else that's happening in this movie. Honestly, to a lesser extent, but the, the older statesman of the film, um, John Cypher, is it? Yeah. Man at arms. Yeah. Man at arms and Gwildor also bring, bring a lot of like, I don't know, gravitas. I don't know what it they is. They bring a lot of personality. Yeah. They're really like, they have every, they have distinct personalities. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, Gwildor, obviously. But and they're leaning into their roles and they're just having fun with it. On the other side of the door, our heroes land. He-Man helps Gwildor out of a swamp and he unclogs his gills all over them. Just That's a little right. bit of physical humor. The from laughs, the, the laughs, they're like, <laughs> we're all friends and we're having an adventure laughs. Yeah. Those were so weirdly out of place in this whole movie. Yeah. Like you just lost a battle. You just had to flee to another planet. Yep. Why are you laughing? Uh, they want to know where they are. Gwildor has no idea. He just dialed a random universe. <laughs> But it's okay because the key has coordinates and tones of Eternia on speed dial, but uh, they lost the key. How good is the fact that the music for Eternia is the, essentially score, of the, the, movie. the score of the movie? Yeah, I fucking great. love that. Yeah. Uh, they're going to split up and search, but first they hear noise in the woods. <laughs> it's an alien life form. Big. 
It could be intelligent life. <laughs> this is fantastic. It's a cow. I love this yeah. so much. Why is a cow just randomly in a park? Doesn't matter. Who maybe, cares? Maybe it walked out the back door of Robbie's ribs. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. This was fantastic. This was pretty hard. Oh, you liked the cow? I liked when... M- moo. Yeah, when he tries to communicate with the cow. Moo? <laughs> what a hideous cry. Maybe I can communicate with a poor creature. Gwildor. Uh, moo? That has always cracked me up. Oh, it's yeah. so cute. It, even as a child, I thought that was the funniest thing in the world. That yeah. so ridiculous. The and then, yes, at, at Robbie's ribs and chicken. No, no, wait. And what? We get to, hold on, we split up the party and we go, let's, let's check our watches so we all know the right time. And then they go, good journey. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey. Oh, my God. Good journey. You can't forget the good journey. I was going to talk about good journey when it becomes fucking relevant. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it starts here. It's going to be the, it's the who's James. Yes. It's thrash bash. Good journey, Ken. Nice doing business with you. (laughs) Every week with this shit. Um, (laughs) Yeah. At Robbie's Ribs and Chicken, Julie is finishing up her last shift before she moves to New Jersey to follow her dreams. What? Why the fuck would you ever move to New Jersey? Yeah. Also, what's going on with her jacket that she's wearing in this scene? Like, is the collar of her jacket the waistband of jeans? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that. Yeah, thank you. I'm so glad you noticed. I, I didn't. I just, I'm just I saying. I did yes. not. But it has the like leather bit that's normally around the waist of jeans. Like, the button on the top is like a, the button of like it, a waist it's the of 80s, jeans. Dude. Denim was. Trust you to. Yeah. And also, just trust you to pick a <laughs> random detail. <laughs> <laughs> to just have a thought of. Oh. It was bizarre. It hit me weird. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, her co-worker is giving her a going away present. Monica. S- some advice, which is a shitty going away present. Yeah. She tells Julie <laughs> that she should not break up with Kevin Corrigan. Uh, yeah, she should. Yeah. This, no, she really should. This sounds like <laughs> some not, toxic I'm, ass advice. I'm not. Um, well, I would like to state now for the record, I'm not down with Kevin. <laughs> really? <laughs> he plays keyboards. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Julie I feel like I feel like in a couple of years he's that he's dude with the playing, striped shirt no, in a wild playing, thing. He's still playing keyboards. <laughs> so Julie feels like it's the best thing for her to do is to leave and start out fresh because of Chekhov's parents each died separately. <laughs> it's not even true. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but it's a good joke. It is a good it's a good bit. Outside they jump into Kevin's bitchin' van. Fucking Kevin. Kevin is played by Robert Duncan McNeil. Sounds like a fake name to me. He's only made a few movies, but he's done lots of TV shows. Specifically, he plays Tom Paris in Star Trek Voyager, which is what he's most well known for. And then while he was on Voyager, he started directing episodes and has since transitioned, while still being an actor, into directing lots of television, including a lot of teen shows that Kira loves. Interesting. He directed seven episodes of Dawson's Creek. Huh. He did some One Tree Hill. Hey. Oh, fuck. That's a bad show. He- oh. <laughs> We're about to fight right now. I mean, I don't love it, but it's not a bad show. <laughs> he did some Everwood. Really? Never he even did, heard of that one. He did the- Everwood's fantastic. He did the OC. Of course. And lots of Star Trek. He See, still directs a lot of Star Trek. He must I- be friends with Greg Belanti. Yes. I thought likely. I'd seen him, but it doesn't sound like it. I, I haven't really, I don't really know Voyager. Very cool. Okay. He is super awkward, but excited that her bus to the airport is late enough that he can, that she can go to his sound check. Oh, so weird. I feel like it's weird that she's like, I get that she wants to like move, leave town and start afresh, but why wouldn't you wait until after clearly the prom or whatever it is yeah, that's how, tonight? How long has like, it been since her parents know. died? I 
We don't know. I yeah. think it, I think it can't have been that long. It has to because of what happens at the end. It must have been like this year. But yeah, I feel like that's why she's leaving. Yeah, yeah it is. But it's it is, yeah. She says that that's why she's leaving because she wants to start fresh. Because it's of literally the bad what the things. plot of the movie is, Brody. Uh, I just, uh, just I watched it. I swear. If you're gonna start fresh, you can at least you know go to your own prom and graduation. So don't have, go have, to have New Jersey. Have, have go a to good, Jersey. Have a yeah. good Sorry goodbye if you live to your Jersey, but why? Yeah, yeah usually when kids do that kind of thing, they go to like LA or New, New York. York. Well, or she's in LA. She's in LA. But yeah. New York or like one of the. So other is she going to like a smaller place maybe to like get away from I, I think she's just going she's somewhere. Just leaving. She's just leaving. She ran away from her problems. Yeah. But fair. she couldn't possibly wait an extra night to. Go I mean, to prom. like, to be fair. She's probably like. She also wants to get away from Kevin, which she should get away from Kevin. Yeah, why are you so anti Kevin? Like, he seems pretty sweet to her. He plays keyboards. Yeah, right. That's fair it. Enough. That's the only reason. Right. Um, yeah, to be Kane fair. He hates like, keyboards, it's his only natural kind of growing uh, enemy. <laughs> I'm going to pay you for that, but you did steal my line. <laughs> <laughs> that is my line, and you took it, and you used it, and you used it really well, so you get points for it. But that is my line. <laughs> I am the only one that says what is my naturally only naturally occurring enemy. <laughs> Should have done it in David Attenborough voice. <laughs> this is the key. She bought him some ribs, which he thinks isn't very romantic for a last date. Oh, Dude. yeah. <laughs> uh, he asked her to take a later flight, but she's pretty firm with him. And yeah, because you can just change your flight willy-nilly. But also Maybe she's kind of so traumatised by... A fucking plane crash. She's getting on a plane. And she's getting on a yeah, plane. Yeah, you'd think that she wouldn't do that. But it's also, a commercial jet. Go somewhere where you can drive. Her parents <laughs> died flying private. Yeah, it's, yeah I how's, it's how's the reaction? How's the line, first of all? My parents died on a plane crash. It was something so obtuse to the well, actual scene, and we didn't need that. Yeah, so as they pull away, we get an 80-hour patch line that explains that she'd like to go to the cemetery to say goodbye to her parents. And then nearby in a bush, Teela runs into Man-at-Arms, who was following his nose. They aren't going to save Etonia if they die of starvation. <laughs> and they watch as Gwildor uses a grappling hook to snare a bucket of chicken and ribs from a couple that are making out in a convertible. And when they catch up with Gwildor, he is just drinking gravy. <laughs> All of this is This great. is another example of teenagers in the 80s. Apparently a lot of them owned convertibles. Yeah. yeah. And just made out in them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and also they leave their chicken and ribs in the back seat. For yeah. yeah, yeah. Isn't there a makeout point where this should be happening? Yeah, probably. not just the car park. Though I mean, in the eighties, don't people all hang out at fast food restaurants? Yeah, true. But they go somewhere to make out. That's true. Yeah, make out point. Yeah. <laughs> Every town's got a make out point. Yeah. Teela wonders why they put the food on these little white sticks. Oh, <laughs> this is oddly like a very modern line. Those are rib bones. Yeah. And then Teela's freaked out that they're eating meat. Yeah. Because Etonians don't eat meat, apparently. Yeah. And then they split back off into their sectors. Uh, meanwhile, on Julie and Kevin's last date at the cemetery. Oh, thank you for pointing that out. I didn't even realise. So yeah. awkward. They are really awkward. They're so awkward. Yeah, no chemistry between them. No, there's, not at there's all. Only chem- they, they get a bit of chemistry at the end when she's like sick and stuff. And, yeah. and he becomes a bit more of a person with thoughts. But I feel like that's because she's <laughs> not acting. Yeah. I feel like cause that's because she's not really getting to do much in the scene and it's, it's mm. more about him. This graveyard is the same graveyard and they are standing in almost the exact same spot as Judith Meyer's grave in the Hi. original Halloween. I thought it looked familiar. I thought it might have just been like a piece of information I learned today. Oh, right. Which is amazing. So, and I learned that piece of information from a website called Set Jetter, which is about uh, who's a dude that visits 
movie locations and then post photos of what they look like today. So shout out to that dude because I didn't fucking know that. Now I know that and that's so exciting. So Very which cool. graveyard is it? Uh, I didn't write down is the name. Is it a real one? Or yeah, it's it? a real graveyard, but I didn't write down the name of it. But mm. um, it was shot in the same place. Very cool. She volunteers this piece of information that is just so oh, the, did I, did I, I, I haven't told anyone this, but I'm the reason my parents died. Oh, possibly. Yeah. Possibly that's it. Yeah, so she confesses that it's her fault because she decided not to go with them to the beach and yeah. hang out with Kevin instead. Yeah, and he goes, plane crashes are just things that happen. Yeah. And then <laughs> when? We, and we learned that they died in their plane going out to Catalina Island, which is an island off LA. Yeah, so she's super rich, by the way. Well, you know, it's the 80s. People just had planes, Bernie. <laughs> Catalina wine mixer. Yeah, they all just had planes. Everybody. That's your reference for Catalina. Yeah. <laughs> I always think of Catalina because Catalina is where the boat is going in the final book of the final Friends trilogy, the Uh, Christopher Pike story. That's the island that they're going to, which is off LA. She, yeah, she wishes she could change things and her dialogue is completely out of sync with her lips. Like not even close. I fucking thought so. Not even close. She's like, they're hugged into each other and she's talking like seconds after her dialogue. She's not talking when her dialogue is on and then she starts talking after her dialogue has ended. Mm. It's so bad. Yeah. Is that from the tape or is that just... Nope, that's not the tape. That's just... That's yeah, just like ch- that in the HD version as well. They just changed the dialogue for the scene in post-production and didn't even try to match her lips. Figuring yeah, that nobody it. will ever notice. They not knew, not they understanding, what type of movie not understanding that it would end up on a in high definition. Yeah. On a streaming, a on a streaming service. This in is a cult movie, right? Yeah, it's a really popular movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely a cult movie. Yeah. Yeah. It has a big order. It has a big uh there is a big appreciation for it because of all the kids that were my age that saw it, that loved it. Yeah. And they hold that. I don't think it's penetrated very much into new generations. Well, I think I think movies like this that swing for the fences. I think there is a there is a cult. I don't know if it swings for the fences. No, I mean the sets. They're like they're heavily leaning into certain aspects. You know what I mean? And they're just like fuck it on the other stuff. Mm. Like I I I think it's definitely swinging for the fences. As they are leaving the cemetery, the lights are turning on, and they find the cosmic key in a flower bed. It's like it fell out of the sky. <laughs> Kevin thinks it's one of those new Japanese synthesizers based on fucking what, Kevin? Yeah, <laughs> racist. What the fuck bastard. do you know about anything, Kevin? I don't think it's being racist. Uh, <laughs> and he starts mashing on the keys. I don't know why, but now we're against Kevin on this pod. <laughs> I turned you on, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, fuck this guy. And he starts mashing on the keys. And at Castle Grayskull, the cosmic key has been activated. See? He's the he's the problem. Kevin <laughs> is the problem. Yeah. Skeletor tells Evelyn to lock in on the signal and open a doorway the next time it's activated and send an advanced group of mercenaries as it could be a trap. And yeah, we get a quick shot of him and just walking around the suburbs in underwear and a cape holding a laser pistol. Yep. Not even trying to blend in. Gold. <laughs> At the high school gym, Julie looks wistfully around as Kevin sound checks on his fucking keyboard because he plays fucking keyboards. Did I mention that he plays keyboards? Yeah, yeah fuck I think this so guy. Fucking run, Julie. This definitely just feels run. like one of those like high school relationships where like one partner just followed the other one around, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like he does kind of slap when he plays his new Japanese synth. <laughs> yeah. So he starts fucking around with the key and they decide to amp it up, which just means put a microphone on it. Um, (laughs) And then he pushes the big red button and spinning tuning forks open and holographic lights start to come out of it. (laughs) Did this, did this remind anyone else of like the holophoner from Futurama? 
Yeah, a little bit. Do you remember what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I've always loved the design of the key. I think the key is actually really, really cool. Yeah. I and like I love it. the sound that it makes. I love the moving parts. It's a really, yeah, actually. It's really it's well, good, it's really yeah. well designed. Yeah. And Did they make keys? As toys that no. you could press the button and it makes some noise? That would have been cool. No. They should have done that. Yeah, they should have. So, and I like the kind of old school optical effects with all the light moving and, and stretching and stuff. Yeah. For the door effects. It's like drawn so on. So I had, a, I was like, it's 2022. He-Man figures are still around, right? Mm. So I wonder if there is a full-size replica of the key that you can buy. Yeah. And there is not. That is disappointing. I wonder if the ones from the actual movie still exist. I found a listing for one of the keys that was used in the movie huh. that was sold in 2018 for five grand US, that's which is actually reasonable. Cheap. That's so cheap. <laughs> I was like, that's reasonable. I can't believe that that's, I can't believe there's not more like value on that. That's wild. Yeah. So it, it was a screen used key, but it wasn't one of the ones that had moving parts. Ah. So it was just, so they made all kinds of, they made like a few. The ones that open up. There's one that, there's only one that they spent the money on to make open up like that. And then the others are like variations. There's probably a rubber version that's for stunts as well. So you can't, so you don't hurt, you don't hurt yourself if you're carrying it and you do a jump or whatever. Smart. So there's all kinds of different versions. So it was a screen used one. uh, And also two of the forks were with it, but they had broken, but it had broken off. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, I just want to point out a line that was used when they uh, find the key Mm -hmm. because Billy, the asshole, plays it. Kevin. Kevin, that's the one. (laughs) I I think I call him Billy in my notes. (laughs) They use the word Parsec Eon. Parsec Eon. Yeah. Yeah. Is that not the heaviest Star Wars reference yet? Uh, That wasn't Kevin that said that. No, 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 I know. It was someone in Eternia who said that, but because of Parsec? Yes. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh they're fucking lifting Wars. heavily from Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me started. I have lines. I have some stuff later about, about how we refer to time in this movie. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. Back at Grayskull, they've locked onto the key's location in a big map room, and they Google map, zoom in on, in on the high school gym <laughs> from a galaxy view. <laughs> Uh, and Evelyn has assembled the mercenaries and has selected Skeletor's finest warriors. Oh, yeah. Are they mercenaries or Skeletor's warriors? <laughs> this is the moment where I wasn't sure whether or not I was supposed to have already seen the cartoons. To know who these people were. Because the way they're introduced felt like, yeah, I'm meant to know who these people are. Guess what? And I do not. Guess what? The sword guy is. One of these fuckers is from the cartoons. The sword guy, right? No. Blade. No. Blade is not from the cartoons. Yeah. Blade, a stuntman in an eye patch, not a toy. Ah. Sarod, the creature from the Black Lagoon wearing half of Darth Vader's helmet, not a toy. Ah. The Beast Man, or just Beast Man, <sighs> toy. Toy, yeah. And Karg, who we already met, still not a toy. Still putting in the work. Even when he's standing in the background. So the insanity of only including one of the henchmen of Skeletor from the cartoon, why would you not include, say, Stinktor, Evil of Master Odors, or Clawful? Evil of Master Odors. Yes, I owned him. What about... uh, Stinktor is on the cover. He looks looks like a a skunk. He's a skunk. What about Spycor? Yep, Spycor. Which is just a guy that's spiky. Yeah, or Clawful, a hybrid between a man and a lobster. What about the rock people, which I think I've seen a toy of. I'm sure I've seen a toy in my office. You have those ones. Yeah, Kian has those Yeah, the rock people are in my office. Rock people are good guys. 
Ah, right. They're allies of allies of He-Man. Or Trapjaw, Trapper of Jaws. Trapjaw, that's <laughs> the one I know. He has the iron bottom jaw. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, they didn't. They didn't include any of those people. They just made up, and of, of course, they did make them into toys to tie into the movie. Curious Quartet. Yes, he wants the key and He Man back alive. Do not fail him. Sure thing, Skeletor Daddy. <laughs> I'm just looking at some of the other toys. Man, E faces. Man, E faces. <laughs> because he has. Many faces. Yeah, and triclops. Triclops, yeah. Because he has three eyes. Okay. Oh, there's a leech. He's just a big leech. Okay. And this and is just Ram devolved. Man. This is just devolved into saying names on the back of He-Man mini comics. Oh, I oh, like Grizzlor. So yeah, Grizzlor looks sick. Shouldn't have brought in things that are going to distract you. <laughs> it's show and tell. <laughs> it is a little show and telly. Back at the school gym, Kevin wants to take the key down to Charlie's because he'll know what it is. Julie wants Kevin to go alone because she just wants to sit and say goodbye to the school because she won't be there for graduation. Just and just could have just stayed for graduation. She just oh, wanted man. some space from just, Kevin. I would have just left. Yeah. <laughs> I want to just be, just be out, smoke bomb. Kevin protests, but then he does leave and he tells her not to let anyone in um, and that Carl, the janitor, should be around at some point. <laughs> the janitor that wears his Leatherman. Leatherman jacket, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a bit weird. Not a, not a bit creepy yeah. at all. Julie looks at a locket she has with photos of her parents inside, having a little sad moment, and then hears a noise. It's a gate opening in the hallway. Julie calls out as the mercenaries take turns jumping through the gate and posing. (laughs) (laughs) They each pose as they come through the gate. Julie basically says, stop messing around, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Which is never a good idea. They run into Carl, yeah, the maintenance guy in his letterman jacket, and throw him through the door into the gym. Julie runs and they fire their lasers at her, setting fire to the highly flammable glitter streamers that are all over the kitchen. <laughs> Karg's like, no, 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 take her alive. She might know where the key is. Can we just also think, like, is Carl definitely, like, the old quarterback that n- never was able to, like, go to... Are you just creating backstory for a character? He still wears his letterman, like, he still works at the school. Like, I feel like he has to have been someone who was successful in football, didn't make a life Motherfucker, we have so much to talk about. <laughs> and we want to talk about fucking Carl. It's an interesting choice is all. There's one thing that's of interest of Carl, and that's that they throw him forwards and he lands backwards. That's the only <laughs> thing that's of interest when he comes through those doors. <laughs> they throw him head first, so he should be landing on his belly. And when he comes through the doors on the other side, he's landing on his back. Did not he does a little, little flip. Yeah. yeah that's the only thing that's roll. interesting about Carl. <laughs> we are moving on from Carl. Okay. Julie hides as Beastman and the others tear the place apart. She ends up under the stage and Blade tries to stab her through the stage. That would definitely kill her. That's not, you know, yeah. a, a capture tactic. Yeah, no. unless he knew exactly where she yeah. was. It's, it's absolute chaos. There's no coordination between the mercenaries <laughs> at all. I don't think they're very well led. Yeah. Uh, and Julie escapes as the whole fucking gym is just on fire. Yeah. I love that. Um, she didn't take care of his equipment very well. No. He, she was supposed to be protecting the gear. Yeah. Now the gear is all on fire. Yeah. but yeah. <laughs> Him and who's using a little handheld tracking device. I don't know even know what it's tracking yeah. the key maybe anyway um <laughs> also not included uh <laughs> here's her yelling for help and then julie is in a back alleyway as the mercs chase her into like an open kind of warehouse area that's just got some fence- fencing it's like a loading dock where there's lots of like boxes and stuff yeah and she runs into he-man and instantly just fucking trusts him i mean wouldn't you yeah i don't understand that. she like collapses into his pecs <laughs> 
it's like he's a he's a half naked man and we're wearing a cape in the middle of the city. Like that's not but someone he, that you instantly go. You're no, you're going to be a good, helpful. No, good guy. No, no, no. He's a half naked Dolph Lundgren, and he says. <laughs> You have nothing to worry about. I'm not going to harm you. I would collapse into his pecs as well. Yeah. He picks her up like she's a child, carries her <laughs> over right. and hands her behind boxes and gives her a laser gun and goes, you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and At then, what point does Julie not go, is this a fucking toy? <laughs> like, this isn't a real gun. He-Man attacks, takes out a bunch of skelly troopers. Julie actually does protect He-Man by firing the laser pistol yeah, at she the just, rod. No, no questions. She shoots and tries to kill someone. Well, it's a creature. Yeah. It's not, well, a, not a human. It's a life, Kim. Okay. <laughs> Jesus There's Christ. also some interesting like fence running that they do that was like a real cool stunt. He-Man fights Beastman, each sold separately. <laughs> he elbows Beastman until he falls over and Blade is like, I've waited a long time for this. They fight. He-Man just knocks him down as well because there's no killing in Eternia. <laughs> you just knock people down and hope that they've learned a lesson. Yeah. Uh, as Karg grabs Julie, He-Man throws the power sword and scares off Karg before throwing Sarod, uh, laser wound not included, at Blade. The mercenaries bug out as Tilo and Men-at-Arms arrive and exchange laser fire. At what point are we meant to know that the sword's important? Well, from the cartoon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they never explain. It's no, not, they really it's don't not do really that. important. Yeah. No. He-Man tells them to follow them. Uh, they must have a doorway to Eternia. And He-Man tells Julie that he needs her help. I have a note, which I don't know what it's in reference to. <laughs> it just says, you don't never want to know. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> That's from later. Right. Okay. It's a line somebody says. <laughs> okay. It's from much later. <laughs> That's my next point. I stopped taking notes, I think. Good job, buddy. <laughs> At Charlie's, which is a music store, must be where Kevin gets his keyboards from. Charlie has seen this before. It's definitely Japanese. Look mm, <laughs> mm. the, with these people. He pushes the red button, tells Charlie to push the red button, which he does. Kevin is like, well, you've seen one, you've seen them all. And he goes to leave. And Charlie is like, do you want to sell it? But then Kevin's like, I don't want to sell it. So why is he acting like he wants to sell it? Yeah. This whole exchange is just very... Yeah, it seemed as though he was planning on going to go see Charlie to see whether he to had... To find out like, what it was. Yeah, like more yeah. information, but he just kind of tells him what it is and then and leaves then, again. And then and then is like... Let's not discuss let's it. Let's not I'm discuss going. it. I'm going to go. Like, what the fuck is Kevin's plan? Well, I like, think what is he doing? I he just wanted to show his friend that he had something cool. I think his plan is to like fake that he's going so, so that he would be like, but then, oh, no, 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 stop, but, I'll talk to you. But... Charlie's already said, yeah, I've seen one of these as Japanese, which is like Charlie's obviously full of shit, right? Yeah. But then what is the rest of that exchange? Yeah, I don't know. Are they friends? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. he's his like- it's his keyboard dealer. He probably hangs yeah. out at the- I would imagine that he hangs out at the store. So Charlie's probably doesn't think of him as a friend, but maybe like Kevin thinks of he Charlie He probably as thinks a of him as like, he's a, he's a regular, he's someone he talks to regularly. Yeah, they might not right. be best friends, but like he knows him, he knows his girlfriend, he knows yeah, I his was, band and stuff. Well, so it seems like even though it's LA, right? It does seem like it's meant to play as a small town. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and like he true. and he's like he he's heard how his gig went the other night. That's right. Yeah, stuff, heard you guys so, ripped or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I imagine sure that yeah, he must be he maybe he's friends with his bandmates, maybe he's not friends with Charlie. I think that they do know each other well. Yeah, okay. And outside a bunch of police and fire trucks go by and they listen in on Charlie's police radio <laughs> to find out that the school is on fire. Because Charlie would have a police radio. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose they're building him to just be a weird collector of things. Is, is, a, is it a pawn shop or a music shop? It's a music, it's a music shop. shop. It's just yeah. a music shop. It's all instruments. Right, okay. Back at the warehouse, mm. 
He-Man is just laying it all out for Julie. He tells her all about Skeletor and where he's from. And she's like, yeah, I'm in. Does He-Man go to other planets all the time? No, he's never been anywhere. Right. He's very chill about it then. Yeah. And she's very trusting of random men in Cape. Yeah. He describes the cosmic key. It's about this big. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, Julie's like, yeah, I've seen that. Kevin has it. He's in terrible (laughs) danger. He-Man's response is, he's in terrible danger, let's go. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, accurate. At the school, Kevin takes in the devastation and tries to talk to Carl, and this is where you don't ever want to know. That's right. Carl says it to him. Uh, He tries to go in and be stopped by a cop. James Tolkien... Is this the is this the principal from Back to the Future? Yes. I fucking knew it. I didn't even have to look it up. Yeah, he is the principal in Back to the Future. I knew and he is also him. in Top Gun. Who? Who's he in Top Gun? He is the Is it who sends him to the boss who sends him to Top yes, Gun? Yes, it's the guy that sends him to Top Gun. Oh um. the guy behind the desk who sends him Top Gun. Yes. Right. Shit. I didn't even realize I was the same person. Yep. He is playing Detective Hugh Lubick. He tells Kevin that no one else was there and the only thing they found was Julie's handbag. And he suspects Kevin straight away. He um yeah, very accurately so. Um but he's another kind of is he been in a couple of things by this point? Yeah. He's a he's a character actor. He shows up in stuff. He Again, made a. He's another person bringing a strong performance to the movie. Yeah, is he doing like a Rocky <laughs> accent? Okay, no. Like, did just, you not feel like he's doing? That's just his voice. Yeah, he's is like it? he's exactly the same as the principal in Back to the Future. I swear he's, he's leaning doing a little a tough, bit more. I mean, he's heavy. doing a tough cop thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right? Maybe that's it. Yeah. Kevin describes Julie, and then Lubick drags him to his car to go look for her. He man reunites with Taylor and Man at Arms. The mercenaries got away. They're only a scouting party. They have to find the key before they return in full force. And as they leave, a classic car, native transportation, a primitive land boat, smashes through some boxes. It's Gwildor. And he has retrofitted this car to run on neutrinos. Batteries not included. So he's just made either a potential neutrino bomb (laughs) or he's just revolutionized the energy in this backwater world. It's not going to (laughs) matter. Yeah. They should definitely let Julie drive, though. I don't feel like, I don't feel like Gwildor should be be driving. Sitting on like Maybe Gwildor's neutrino bomb is why it's a post-apocalypse in the next movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely Gwildor's fault, right? (laughs) Yeah, fuck Gwildor. Hey, I like Gwildor. Yeah, I like Gwildor. Gwildor's a good time. On Eternia, in Eternia? Uh, Skeletor <laughs> is having a private moment with Evelyn. Yeah. Are they like father and daughter? No. What are they? It's a weird relationship. There's a weird closeness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he wants to know why there is still resistance. The people must know that he is Grayskull and he depends on her for all of these things. For the people to know, I guess. She mm. gives him the bad news. The people wait for He-Man. It was great. This little bit with, with Evil Lynn was well well acted again. Yeah. Again, Skeletor was just chewing shit I, up. I don't want to, again, pull it back to bloody Bill Nye, but there's a scene with Kate Beckinsale and Bill Nye doing this, like, tender scene as well, and it's very reminiscent of that. Mm-hmm. You've Sorry, made your point. So continue. For him to rule, He-Man must be destroyed, and then Skeletor's like, He-Man, if I kill him, I make him a martyr, a saint. No, I want him broken. <laughs> fucking Frank Langella, man. Yeah. He's in a different movie. Yeah, yeah he's, he's bringing a lot of weight. Uh, the mercenaries have returned, having failed. Karg tells them they fought the Etonians and were outnumbered. And Skeletor uses purple force lightning to dissolve Sarod, pile of ash not included. Oh, that's right. Beastman begs in supplication and 
Karg begs as well. And Evelyn stands up for them and Skeletor is like, well, you can fucking go to Earth then. Yeah. <laughs> and take whatever troops and resources you need. Doesn't he need her to talk to the people though? <laughs> anyway, uh, he tells her that she shouldn't have spoken if she didn't want to be volunteered and that once they have the key, he or an attack force will follow. Again, even just his dialogue, like is he coming out with his own dialogue? Because he is in a different movie. I think that there is an amount of uh, rewriting that happened in his favour. Ah. Um, and I think that he may have been involved in some of that re- rewriting. Well, smart move on his behalf. Even like the memes of this movie are all about him. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's true. the standout of, yeah. this, of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, nobody's talking about, I love Dolph Lundgren, but nobody's talking about fucking Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, I, I have seen constant stuff about this movie, hmm. did not know Dolph Lundgren was in it until we started talking about it. At Julie's house, Kevin and Lubick arrive just as Julie is calling the house. He pretends it isn't her. Why? Why? Because he wanted Lubick to go look for Julie. Yeah, but he doesn't want her to, him to find her and get her in trouble. For what? Yeah, but she's not in trouble. He doesn't know what. True. He doesn't know what. She, so the, the fact that he just instantly is like, oh, no, Julie's not here. I mean, like strong, like strong instincts. Str- like To not trust a cop. Yeah. Strong <laughs> instincts to not trust a cop and like get the back of like, is he assuming, oh, she set the fire? Like is she just lost her parents? She's going through shit. She set the fire and was like, "Fuck this place! I'm getting out!" Like, what is he thinking? It doesn't make make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. She asks if he still has the key, and he's like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) "Mm-hmm." And he tells her to stay put. Lubick grabs the phone, but she's already hung up, and then wants to know who he's talking to, and then he wants to know what the key is. He starts mashing on the keys. He doesn't think it's a synthesizer. And, of course, don't bang on the keys. <laughs> uh, back at the warehouse, Evelyn uses a scanner to rewatch the battle. It was only him in. <laughs> Outclassed, outclassed, maybe. Outclassed is more like it, yeah. She's having a good time, too. Yeah. A Skeletrooper trooper tells Evelyn that the key has been activated and is close by. And it... <laughs> what? And then it starts to get blocked? The by a microwave. Yeah, we're, we're up to that, yeah. So Luby pushes the red button. Did they detect it before it was activated or was it on delay? I think they. I think it gets activated when they play the tones is what my reading has been. I thought it was movie. just when the red button is pushed. It is not clear in yeah. any way, shape or form when it's actually... I'll tell you what is clear, Kian. Mm-hmm. What blocks its signal from well, being picked up? Kevin puts a whole yep. bucket of chicken into a science oven. Who does that? <laughs> Who the fuck does that? A whole bucket with the ribs and the chicken and all the paper still in so it. That is so fucked up. Like, first of all, I have a thing about microwaving chicken. I'm not about it. I think it makes it taste weird. No. Never, a, never put chicken in a science oven. Yeah, never. But like- I didn't think you could like put chicken in bone in, with like bones and everything in, in microwaves. You can put anything in a microwave. Can you? Yeah. Army men. <laughs> yeah. But. but yeah, you wouldn't put it in like, you wouldn't put it in with the, in the bucket in with paper and everything. Yeah. And yeah. it all just, yeah. No. That was disgusting. That was never going to work. Yeah. Also it's going to heat up and like get soggy and melt into yeah. each other. Like and Yuck. stick to each other. It's not a good time. Yeah. Kevin's the worst. Fuck Kevin. Kevin is the fucking worst. Please synth. <laughs> Did you know that? Keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> Evelyn, oh my God. Yeah, so it blocks the signal. Evelyn tells the stormtrooper to target the source of the jamming and destroy it, and the microwave explodes and the what? signal keeps on. Yeah, what? Just on remote. Why? Well, she tapped into its Wi-Fi. <laughs> she tapped into its Bluetooth mode. But, but it's not good enough to know, actually blow up you know the key like, blows up you know the like microwave. You, can turn on a, you know how like you can turn on a transit with Bluetooth? It's the same thing. But like, first of all, why was this included? 
Because it's and if you can do that, then you don't need to go to Earth to go find it. You can just lock onto it and blow it up. They should have done that the first time. Right, right. If you can blow something up by having it signal. Thank you. That is so true. I didn't even think about that. Are you guys trying to bring logic to a He-Man fight? But like <laughs> when, like when a signal is being jammed, you can't then lock onto the signal that is jamming the signal to get rid of that signal. Unless it's strawberry jam. Oh my god! Unless it's strawberry jam. But also, what was the point anytime of this? Anybody, okay, so any I am of an age where anytime anyone says the signal has been jammed, I think of Spaceballs, where jam just flows down oh, a radar yeah. screen, and I just <laughs> like it's been jammed. Yeah, it's just in my head forever. Can fair enough. What was the point of this? Just to add runtime? I don't know. I don't. Know. I don't have all the because it was Brody. complication <laughs> solution within two beats. I don't, I don't know. I don't to blow up the microwave so they can have some action. Yeah, bizarre. Lubick isn't taking any more crap and wants to know what's going on. See, there you go. That that's why. So that Lubick is like, what the fuck is happening? Lubick's yeah. already like, what the fuck is happening? Kevin admits that he found the, the, key, the key in a cemetery, tells him to go ask Charlie about it, and Lubick leaves with the key. And if his story checks out, maybe he'll get it He'll get it back. Charlie doesn't know any more than, than he found it in a cemetery. Yeah, why is he giving it back? <laughs> yeah. We get two quick traveling shots, uh, one of Evelyn by Sky and one of the Eternians via neutrino-powered car. <laughs> yeah. I've just realized something. Does Is Kevin... Kevin doesn't want this return to its owner. Like, he's just like, it's mine now. I want yeah, to keep it. Because like keyboards. the cop should have he it. He thinks that this is going to make him a star. Kevin cleans up the mess and some Burger King boxes, product placement included. <laughs> the door explodes as Beastman bursts in and attacks Kevin. And Evelyn stops Beastman from killing him and collars him with a device that makes him tell the truth. <laughs> Karg finds a newspaper article about Julie's death and shows it to Evelyn. And Kevin just gives up the goods on where the key is because the necklace makes you tell the truth. Yeah. The truth-telling bracelet, nearly, necklace, collar, dearly. And they leave on their transport just as the good guys arrive. Um, The transport is sick, by the way. Um, Yeah, I love the design. All the design of the Eternian stuff is fucking fantastic. Yeah. It's really good. Now- Lots of different concept artists work, worked on this movie. One of the people that worked on this movie, and I'm not quite sure what he did, is um is the artist Mobius. Have you ever heard of the that artist name Mobius? name sounds familiar. Yeah. Very famous for working on a heavy metal magazine. Um, it's just a very famous French comic book magazine that was very inspirational in terms of movie design for a very long time. I just wonder what must be going through the Earthlings' heads at this point. They've seen someone that you can best equivocate to a fucking wolf man and then a snake man and then, like, someone who's clearly a witch. And who am I missing? Eye patch guy. Ah, nah, eye patch guy. But does he have swords as hands? No, he does not have swords. Okay, I'm misremembering swords in his hands. (laughs) And he's wearing a nifty nifty outfit that looks like he swords because he's a sword person. (laughs) His whole personality is built around swords. Is his name Blade? His name is Blade. That name is only cool for one character, yes. and it's not because he has swords. It's not because he has swords. <laughs> Kira's never seen that. Oh, it's so good. We're trying to get her to watch it for it. Just think about it has our man from the the gate in it, and that's all you need yeah, to Stephen know. Yeah, Stephen Dorfman. Yeah. He's the bad guy. He's and fucking he's, great. he's fucking, he's again swinging for the so, fences, man. Yeah, so I have a top five of villain performances of all time, and that top five varies. In terms of the order, but not mm. in terms of not in terms of the performances. Who is it? So, okay, here we go. 
Alan Rickman is Hans Gruber. Yeah, great. Alan Rickman is the Sheriff of Nottingham. Great. Frank Langella is Skeletor. Oh. Frank Langella is Dog in Cutthroat Island. Ah. Stephen Dorff in Blade. <laughs> That's great. That's a great top five. <laughs> The second Alan Rickman one. Sheriff of Nottingham. Oh, so true. I never would have top, put that in my top five. <laughs> but it's very is true. It, is it because of the line? Is it because of the line? I'm going to cut your heart out with a spoon. Why, why a spoon, cousin? Because, because it's, it's sharp. Because it's, it's dull, dull, you idiot. It, it'll hurt more. <laughs> that line has stuck with me since I was like a small child. He That whole movie is just Alan Rickman just fucking quipping. Like, oh, no tomorrow. So good. Fuck, I love you. It's us. He cancels Christmas in that movie. I fucking love it. I I fucking love it. So inside the Etonians find Kevin. He-Man doesn't even try to take the collar off, just starts asking him questions about the key. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he has to tell the truth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Man at Arms is working on taking it off, but but yeah, they're just he wants to know where the where the key went. Kevin just gives up the goods again to He-Man. And once they take the collar off, he freaks out and tells Julie to get away from them. Which is the correct response. Yeah. Yeah. Julie tells them that these are the good guys. And Gwildor has found native clothing. <laughs> Gwildor's the best. Yeah. He's dressed like an old lady. He's just like a pimp. Just fantastic. Kevin tells them that Lubick was headed to Charlie's. Can you show us the way? Of course. No. <laughs> they do the yeah. one says yes, one says no. Yeah. At Charlie's, Lubick wonders if the key is Russian. <laughs> oh, that's right. And, the and then the neutrino car just pulls up and they get out. <laughs> And Lubick's like, how come I got the feeling I've been looking for you all night? (laughs) For these people that are dressed like they're in a sword and sorcery science fiction film. Yeah. He pulls his gun. They just want the key. Gwildor warns them that they're being followed. Taylor disarms Lubick and it's only uh, 0.6 chromons till moonrise. Oh, that's right. Chromons till moonrise. What the fuck is a chromon? Yeah. (laughs) It's like a Pazakion. It's a made up word. I looked it up. Chromons don't exist. Yeah. Um, did you think they did? I just wondered. I wondered if it was based on something. So, like, even Parsec is based on something, right, yeah. from Star Wars. It's not what they say it is in Star Wars. It's something completely well, different. Well, it depends what Star Wars you're talking about. In Because oh, they retcon oh, it oh, in Jesus. Solo. I don't care. I don't <laughs> care. Teela leads the Earthlings out back and tells as the others start to get ready. And outside, Evelyn tells Beastman to attack on her, her command and orders Blade and Karg to follow her <laughs> elsewhere. He-Man asks Man-at-Arms how he feels. He's a little hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I do like their banter. Yeah. They have some fun banter in this scene. Yeah. See, they play off each other really, really well. Yeah. They talk about chemistry. They got chemistry. Yeah. In the back room, Gordor is trying to find a way home. The universe is music, Kevin. Fucking Kevin. Why didn't Kevin fucking realise the shit that they realised? <laughs> Sorry. He, he even says it in a second where he needs a master songwriter. Fuck, fuck Kevin. <laughs> Well, in Kevin's I defense, like I, I don't think Kevin's so, supposed to think that he's a master. Like, he's like. Yeah, but you could have said to Gwildor, I am a songwriter. Can I help? <laughs> I feel like I had a bit and then you just took that bit and but decided right. that it was your entire personality for you, this episode. You were right. And I didn't realize that. You know what? I came into this pod going like, you know, Kevin had a not a bad performance. He, he, he was okay. But like, now I'm thinking Kevin is a character. Fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie name really checks. Not a pad. 
Yeah, I have I'm two. Just doing a, I'm just doing a bit because it have, keyboards, and I think that that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I have two ends, Keen. I have no spectrum. It's either yes or no. Okay. You know me. Yeah. Charlie name checks Invasion of the Body Snatchers. The part where the where the pods start to take over people's bodies and they don't know who's the pods and who's the people. <laughs> I love that. I love that movie. I yeah. love the seventies. Also, not relevant. No, not at all. Yeah. And and I also love the high school version of that movie called The Faculty, which is definitely on the list. Yeah. Lubick thinks they're some kind of psycho squad, a loony fringe group, some kind of cult. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason why he wouldn't think that. Yeah, hundred percent. Very realistic yeah. to believe. Also, but if you Lubo, much more you, realistic than they're from another universe. <laughs> but also, if you Lubo, do you not like Lubo. shoot them? Lubo, what, Lubo. what did I call him? Lubick. If you Lubick, don't you just shoot them? I mean, you shouldn't just shoot humans. But like, I don't know how did, he got disarmed. It was uh, anyway, just terrible work by this cop. Terrible work. He's outnumbered. <laughs> yeah, true. Beastman and the Skelly Troopers attack. He man and man arms hold them back. At this point, you got to be on board with Lubick. I mean, Lubick's got to be on board, right? With He-Man. Well, he yeah. hasn't, he's in the back room. He hasn't seen. Oh the yeah, Skelly true, 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 true. He sees them late, later, and is like, "Fuck, this is an invasion." Yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep. Okay. I really like the bit with He-Man and Man at Arms where they're like, "I don't uh, think they like us." <laughs> do, do you think they like us? I think they miss us. And then he throws a grenade. It's <laughs> great. Yeah, yeah that it was a good bit. Taylor wants to know how much longer it's going to be. Gwildor would spend something, some, something, something made up words to spend <laughs> two units with a master song maker. Yeah, Kevin perks up because he plays keyboards. There's some pretty nasty stunt bumps in this action. The Skelly Troopers, like, fucking, one of them just slams into a wall and there's yeah. instruments and just takes it. It's pretty good. I think I, it didn't hit me as hard because they're. Because they're not real people. Yeah, they're dehumanized because, because they're inside the. Well, their they're meant to be robots. Outfits. Oh, are they? Yeah. So Actual, that, like, robot robots? Yeah, they're meant to be robots so that He-Man can kill them uh, because then he's not killing people. Uh, that's right, because when you people. said no one dies in this, I was like, no, nah, there's definitely points where people have died. There's bodies. The, the only bodies you ever see are skelly troopers who are meant to be robots. Oh. Well, then they shouldn't have made them look like stormtroopers. Well, they shouldn't have made them walk it, like humans. <laughs> because stormtroopers are people in... Yeah. In armor. And are clones that's people? <laughs> that's a question for a different podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he Man and Men at Arms are being pushed back. Lubick's like, it sounds like World War Three out there. Taylor joins them. Uh, she takes out a few skelly troopers and then looks straight at the camera. Woman at Arms. <laughs> she looks at the camera. She does. She too, breaks the she? fourth wall. Yeah, that's not from this movie. Choice. That's from a different movie. To do that. Yeah. Yeah. They, she was directed to is, do that. Is Taylor a character in the in the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is she called Woman at Arms? No. Is she the daughter of Man at Arms? Yes, she is. Right. Okay. Yep. And she's a warrior. Lubick wants the gun. Taylor left with Ke- uh, Kevin. Lubick's gonna put them away for eight hundred and fifty years. It <laughs> always just makes me laugh. Julie looks out the back window while they're fighting and sees her dead mother. Ah. Uh... Okay, fall for it at first, but when she asks for the key. Don't still believe that you're really talking to your dead mother. Yeah. Dead father sold separately. Uh-huh. And yeah, she tells her that she had to fake her death because they're doing very important, very secret work. <laughs> so good. They hug and then uh, it's Evelyn. Yeah. yeah. We also, did we miss the part where, um, I was going to call him Billy again, Kevin pulls a gun on the cop? Well, he already has the gun. Taylor gives him the gun when when she leaves and asks him if he knows how to use it. And to, That's right. To stop anybody who's going to yeah. get to the key. Yeah. This is the one moment where- Yeah, they struggle for the gun. Yeah. 
and you know, you know, he's dedicated to the cause. I appreciate appreciate his. his he certainly commitment. picked a side literally, at this point. Literally ten minutes after he was like, "Get away from those people." Yeah, yeah, exactly. In real time, it's been about ten minutes. True. Well, he, you true. know, he's seen some shit. Now. <laughs> yeah. True. You got to pick a side. I did. He's I mean, he behind spent, those eyes. Okay, he spent eight of those minutes in a car with Etonians. I understand neutrino powered car with yeah. Etonians. <laughs> okay, I'm willing to. I'm willing to shift inside. Gwildor ends up with the gun and is like, what the fuck are you all doing? And Julie comes in and takes the key back to Evelyn. The skeleton troopers start retreating and He-Man and Man-at-Arms chase Evelyn. The Eternians kind of take off chasing. So Lubick asks Charlie if he has a gun and he does under the counter. He can't believe the damage. Look at this, guys. It's an invasion. So at this point, Lubick is very much on board. <laughs> we miss. Sorry. I keep, you, you, you just go and you hit the bees really quick. Um, the point where she realizes it's evil Lynn. The no, yeah. <laughs> whilst like backing away, it's like you just literally gave it to her. Like, do something, go grab it from her. Like, what's yep. going on? Courtney, reasons. Yeah, what's her name? What's her character name again? Julie. Julie does nothing. Don't doing nothing. <laughs> well, they're the humans. They're fucking up. To, they're the humans you're meant to relate to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lubick tells some skelly troopers to freeze. And then they blow up the car he's hiding behind. Realism not included. He's fine. <laughs> yeah. Slightly toasted. He is the he is the cartoon. I don't know what he was thinking. The oh, car like, literally blows up, blows yeah. up. Yeah. Trying to get them to freeze. It's like there's like five of six of them. They've all got guns. What did you think was going to happen? Yeah, they're clearly willing to die for the cause. They're not going to turn around and go, oh, look, there's one guy with a gun and we're five guys with laser guns. Let's stop and surrender to this human. Five robots. <laughs> That was never going to work. He might need some backup. Uh, you think? Oh, my God. That's it, after he comes out and thinks it's an invasion, hey? Yeah, yeah. 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 So let me just go confront the invasion force by On myself. On my own with Fuck. absolutely only Charlie to protect me. Yeah. I mean, he do, does have a shotgun. I can see why that would be empowering. <laughs> Evelyn sends a signal to Skeletor and our heroes come out onto the street as the door a very big door is opening. They hide <laughs> down another street as marching out of a giant interdimensional door comes Skeletroopers Troopers as well as Air Centurions on hoverboards. Oh, yeah. The hoverboards were cool. It's 2022. Where the fuck is my hoverboard? Yeah. You sons of bitches. Uh, hoverboards not included. The fucking pageantry of this dude. Yeah. <laughs> the majesty of Skeletor coming through fucking that door Earth. arriving on Earth on a fucking floating throne ship. My, my single note is fucking mad set piece. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just sick. It's awesome. Yeah. I like the idea of Skeletor asking his minions to build him this ship so for, for large entrances. For throning. Yeah. My throne ship. Yep. <laughs> he holograms with Evelyn. She has the key, but Skeletor wants to know about He-Man and sends his air centurions after him. So sick. Yeah. Lamest, I, lamest thing ever, but so sick. I love this whole sequence. And yeah, the, the FX work is a little dodgy it's a cheap ass movie but also like the concept of the hoverboards is a it's little so, lame it's, i like it it's but it, yeah uh, it's super fun that's what i'm saying it's so lame but also so sick they find the Eternians pretty quickly and the Eternians hide in a building as the centurions fire through windows he-man takes one out and smashes through a window and jumps onto a hoverboard this is like this is where i and thought the score things, is like fucking amazing yeah it's similar to the score that's been going throughout but it's not the same one is it I mean, the score has lots of different pieces. Yeah. This is the point that I thought that they were go- that our heroes were going to turn it around. Because I was like, 
Oh, he takes off on an airboard. He fucking goes and, and grapple hooks the key again. Well, we, takes yep, off we with haven't it. got to that yet, but yeah. But like, yeah, That's where we'll, we're get, up to. we'll get there. But, and then I thought, oh, okay, he's going to regroup with his friends and they're going to jump into the throne room while Skeletor's bounced. This is, this is the hero's triumph moment. No, he's just going to fucking go confront the whole army by himself. That's yeah. what he does. Okay. So yeah, He-Man finds Evelyn and gets the key with the grapple hook. Yeah. Just out of nowhere. And then he flies away. Yeah. Where did, did he just have that on him the whole time? <laughs> yeah. Skeletor is floating down Main Street. <laughs> yeah. On his, his throne, invasion force. On his throne ship, there are two sentry pods, one on each side. The one on the right, as I pointed out to Kira when we were rewatching this movie this morning, is completely fucking transparent. You can yep. see through it. You can see right through it. See through what? You can see the through the, the side of the ship. Huh. Like you can see the background through the pod. Huh. It's an artifact of the optical compositing. I didn't even notice. Yep. Fascinating. Yep. He-Man plays chicken with another air centurion and then does a flip <laughs> before taking him out with his power sword. And then he chases another one as but Skeletor. Also, let me just say that. When I'm saying things are so dumb, that doesn't mean when they oh, happen. No. When I this watched them, I was like, fuck okay. yeah. Can I be clear? This movie is so fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is so stupid. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it's... It's badly written. It's kind of fairly badly made. Yeah. Right? Kind of it's badly kind of, acted. Kind of badly acted. <laughs> except for Skeletor and, yeah. like, and some other. A few some others. Other, but even them, others. they're like corny like, as fuck, but a, they're fun. Like, I will never, if if you ask me objectively if this is a good movie, this is not a good movie. Yeah, it's 100%. Subjectively, this is fucking great. Yeah. This is a great time. Fucking fun. Yeah, it's so much fun. Yeah. He chases another of the Air Centurions as Skeletor radios in to get the Centurion to lead He-Man to him. And at this point, the rest of the heroes are kind of on a, hiding out on a roof. There's no signal from the key and Teela's worried about He-Man. And behind them, Skeletor Best. rises on his throne. It's so fucking good I how fucking slow love this. this reveal is. I love this. This is, the, this is one of the funniest things in the movie, though. How slowly, like, and also how quiet it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so fucking great. They and fight. does he know? Like their their conversation, and that's why he knows the perfect moment to rise up and interrupt. He's so theatrical. <laughs> he is. He really he chooses is. his moments. <laughs> <laughs> they fire lasers at him, but he force shields them away. Yeah, this is fucking Darth Vader in the Cloud City their, shit. Yeah, doesn't put down their weapons. Skeletor laments Gwildor's betrayal, uh, and Gwildor says he would never knowingly serve the Lord of Snake Mountain. <laughs> Skeletor and Gwildor not included, each sold separately. The Skeletrippers take them hostage. He-Man hovers in, chasing a centurion up onto the roof. The plan kind of works. Julie yells it's a trap and runs into his way. <laughs> and he falls off as Skeletor uses his hot purple force lightning on her leg. Yep, which is poison, apparently. He-Man tries to take on Skeletor's army hand-to-hand, one on, like, hundred. Yeah. Mildly successfully. Mildly successfully. Yeah. The, uh, he pulls out his power sword and the other attorney and start fighting back as well. And Skeletor just leans back and chills in watching yeah. the, in, in enjoying the show. Yeah. It's like, motherfucker, you're fighting robots. I'm over here. <laughs> yeah. They pile on He-Man. I pointed it out to Kira. Did you notice the Skelly Trooper at the front? No. He just completely falls down. He, no. So there's a bunch it. of them grabbing him and the one at the front is like running forwards to grab him as well and he just trips over and falls on top of He-Man. <laughs> Shit. It's fantastic. I love that. And they is cut, it intentional? 
No. no. It's so, so it's like Stormtrooper bumping his head. Stunt, yes, it's yeah. Stunt. And then they cut to Skeletor laughing, so they <laughs> save it in the edit. <laughs> nice. They insert a shot of Skeletor just kind of like having a laugh. Yes. To make it make sense in the edit. I so love that. It, so it plays like he's laughing at his trip. Yes. Guy for yeah. falling down, which you yeah. would do in that situation. Yeah. I <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, him and rises up, knocking them all down. Yeah. And Skeletor is like, enough, one more move, and you and your friends will not live to see another day. He gives them a choice. I give you a choice. Return with me to Eternia as my slave and save their despicable lives or perish with them on this primitive and tasteless planet. Surrender your sword. He man throws down his sword. He doesn't have a choice. Blade's stoked about it. He tells Man-at-Arms and Tila to take care of everybody else. Good journey. Good, Good journey. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey, Good journey. Good journey, Ken. Good journey. Good journey. Mm. Good journey. Nice doing business with you. <laughs> and then... Who's James? Thrash Bash. <laughs> Ninja Magic. Ninja Magic. Are you done? Yeah. Yeah, we got one more. <laughs> Good journey, Ken. Dry hair is to squids. Ah, yes. <laughs> He-Man is led away in chains and Skeletor leaves. And yeah, Julie needs a doctor. Um, they have to get her to Eternia, but there's no way home. The force... Lightning blew the power core of the key and erased the tones from its memory. Skeletor knew what he was doing. And Skeletor and his army returned to Eternia through a gate. They moved Julie down to a fountain down down below at the bottom of the building. We then cut away to Lubick and his cop buddies geared up for war, but there's just oh, no one around. Oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> just he no just... I love that. It explains his decision at the end because he's now made a fool of himself in front yeah. of all of his Why cop buddies. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah. Also, I wonder what they're thinking when he doesn't come back and nothing happens with this invasion force. And like, Luke just went crazy and disappeared one day. Yeah. <laughs> it becomes like some sort of like folklore story. In yeah. The, in the- Lubick, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the fountain, Julie is burning up. That leg wound freaked the fuck out of me as a kid. And it kind of still does. That makeup is gross. Okay. Yeah. That I makeup mean, it does look leg. like a gnarly injury. It looks like a weird burn and it's kind of like, it's pulsing. And I feel like there's definitely more visceral things. I don't know. When I was a little kid, it just freaked me out. Yeah, we just, all have those things. Yeah, I don't know why. So only the sorceress can heal her. Hope is lost, but Gwildor lays out that they'll never be able to find the tones that will take them home, the melody the key played when they push the red button, and it's Kevin's time to shine. Because he can remember tunes because he's a musician. See, Kevin do, is the secret hero of this film. They earlier that he has perfect pitch. Yeah. Yeah. They do a fun thing here that you guys probably didn't even notice. Did you notice the way the score shifts? There's this really emotional score and then it it shifts from being non-diegetic to diegetic. Yeah. It shifts to the score shift to the sound of the speak on the being played by the speaker. Ah. But why do they blow it up? And because then, it's confusing him then. Because it's because the wrong it, part of the It moves from being score to being sound music which being means played he can hear in it. the scene. And so it's distracting because th- he's I, trying to remember the tune and there's another tune playing. I thought that was the case, but then I double guessed myself because uh, isn't the isn't the score of the movie the sound that they need to get to Eternia? There's a different part of the score, Brody. Right, it's not just right. the same score. It's not just the same score. <laughs> right. But, but I was though. I was confused because like when it started to play, I was like, oh, that's the score continuing to play. But, but then they the, blow it up going, oh, that's not the music. I was like, oh, okay. But that's not the piece of music they're looking for. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> These are not the droids you're looking for. 
Okay. <laughs> I was trying to explain a craft bit and it just turned into Brody being real confused. Yeah. I was real confused. I understood confused. what you were saying. It's a good bit. It is a good bit. I'm, good I'm trying bit. to point out a nice piece of craft in a movie that is not particularly well crafted. It so was. obviously when it blows up, the music stops. Does then no, is there then no score There's after that? There's then no that? score after that because that's when Kevin starts humming the tune. Right. And then he whistles the exact tune and Grildor is like, yeah, that's the one. That that's is nice. The, that's the moment that my bird starts annoyingly whistling for the next 20 minutes of the movie yeah. because somebody whistled on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> and Kevin remembered it because he was going to use it as a hook in one of his songs. Because <laughs> it's not really original. There's this whole piece where Griddle tells Kevin says that there's millions of him, he's just a keyboard player. And then Griddle tells him that there's only one of him, uh, there's only one of anybody. The and weird then they thing look is- at, they do that, that push in on Courtney Cox because it's like, that's the, the motivation. You've got to save Courtney Cox. This is, yeah, the weird thing is, is like I thought Courtney Cox was going to be our in, our inroad, our emotional piece. It shifts piece. to Kevin. It shifts to Kevin and I did, I wasn't about it. No. Like, I didn't mind it. Even I don't though, know why we hate Kevin so much. Well, I like, thought this was cute. Even before <laughs> even before we started the pod. I <laughs> mean, it's hard when you two are both so anti-Kevin. I'm, just, we're not really I'm not really though. anti-Kevin. I just think it's hilarious that he plays fucking keyboards. And yeah. I think that he's kind of like whingy and lame, right? And I don't I, think but he's I don't the think greatest he's, character, but, but, I, don't but think I think this is cute. Yeah. He gets he, he, he is helpful because of his, his not very talented talent. And, <laughs> and, he, and he's honest about his... Like he's not like, oh yeah, I'm the greatest rock god. Yeah, on he's Earth. humble. He's actually like, uh, no, like in this situation, I should probably come like be honest and be like, I, I'm not a master songwriter. <laughs> like, Honestly, when I when I came to the pod today, I was like, no, nah, Kevin put in a solid performance. Like I yeah. wasn't anti Kevin, but through ragging I, on him a bit, you. yeah, through ragging on him a bit for fun, I did realize that oh no, Kevin character. Kevin, the character, did kind of cause all the problems by playing with the fucking piece of alien yeah, technology why, that he shouldn't have. Because you wouldn't have done that. No, well, 100% I would have. But oh, yeah, no, I would have mashed on that shit until, yeah. until Skeletor made me his bitch. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I would have liked but, but you, <laughs> it. But the thing is, is oh, okay. Kevin Kevin's character is kind of good, but the, the inroad is Corny Cox. Yeah, and then I, it, we do, it does. It does shift, but it shifts for logical reasons because Courtney Cox could never have done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless she, unless you wanted to make her a female musician, uh, musician and then it's a different, it's a different kind of movie. But the movie then does sideline her after this. Yeah, she has nothing now until the end of the. She's sidelined yeah. after her attack. Yeah, after she gets attacked and fires the gun, she's sidelined. Yeah, she doesn't have a lot to. She doesn't yeah. have a lot to do. I yeah, mean, after she choice. gives up the key, she doesn't have a lot to do for the yeah. rest of, for the rest of the movie. Well, she needed to be punished for giving the key to someone who's clearly not <laughs> <Yeah>. her mother. <laughs> well, you know, don't trust women from Snake Mountain. Yeah. Man at Arms tells him there's only a half a chromon until moonrise. If he can do something, he needs to do it now. And then... We could probably figure out how long a chromon is. <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't care. And then Gildor has some hope and needs a couple of things. And conveniently, Man at Arms and Teela have both of those things. <laughs> yeah. I didn't write what down. the point was, like, it's just like, oh, give me one. this. He could have just said, give me that. One of give me that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then back in Grayskull's throne room, Skeletor marches in, snatches his ram's head staff from a small pig boy. Yeah. Did you guys notice this tiny, the tiny pig boy? What I did notice is that pig boy has credits. Yeah. So Richard Sponder, who plays pig boy, won a big national competition to win a role in the movie. Oh. And that is his entire role. That's pretty cute. <laughs> That's really cool. You would have loved to be pig boy. Yep. He-Man is let in. Skeletor monologues about him having won. 
to the sorceress who's aged from the uh, the power suck. He holds off the sword of Greyskull and then locks it in a uh, sci-fi sword in the stone. <laughs> yeah, this is the situation. first reference we get to it being anywhere near important. Yeah, well, it's a conduit of the power. So what in the in the cartoon is it as important? It's, it's been bestowed to him by the sorceress, and it's how he it's how he becomes He Man by raising his sword in the air and saying, "I have the power," and it's a conduit for the power of Grayskull. So He Man uses the sorcerer's power, and well, the gra- power of Grayskull, and and Skeletor wants to take the yes, power the, of Grayskull. the power of Grayskull. Well, okay, at this point, Skeletor has the power of Grayskull, right? Because he won the war. No, he He's will have that. He will have that when the eye of the universe opens and bestows it upon him. Ah, right. apparently the sorceress will die at that point too, but that's a lie. They lock him in into place, and he. I was like, "Well, wait, you did this to Aquaman in another movie." <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I don't think I think I blocked out during that movie. <laughs> he tells He-Man he will kneel before him and of course He-Man is defiant and Blade uses a laser whip on him as Evelyn yeah, this watches is, this is and just it, awkward. as Evelyn watches and it gives her a little tingle. It gives fucking Skeletor a tingle. Yeah. My god, Skeletor's reaction to this is just way too much. Oh, just real it. awkward. This whole scene was just real awkward. Yeah, I'm, I was into it. I was like, look, if Skeletor's into BDSM, that makes sense. That makes sense, right? Kids movie, the kids straps. movie, kids movie. This is a movie for children. Ah, <laughs> fuck it. This isn't a pod for kids. No, it is not. Back on Earth, Lubick spots the Neutrino car and follows it back to the fountain. Kevin's got a keyboard. Gordor's rigged it up to a power pole so that he's got power for the key. Julie's not doing well and Kevin promises that he'll never leave her. Well, she was leaving you, dude. And then Skeletor's having a nice time. The moon rises to its apex. Uh, Kira, can you cut in his speech about the Alpha and the Omega here? Or I could just do the whole thing. No, no, I'll cut it in. (laughs) Do you hear? The Alpha and the Omega. Death and rebirth. And as you die... Lubick closes in on the fountain. He tells the other cops to stay back and cover him. What the fuck is this? It's so that Lubick goes to Eternia and yeah, yeah. the other cops do. So dumb. Uh, It'd be awkward if the whole troop went and they haven't seen any of the rest of this happen. Yeah. Just be like, what the fuck is happening now? Yeah. yeah. Also, probably there would be some questions like, oh, should we maybe not interfere in a galactic civil war? That <laughs> yes. we don't know who's involved. Or, yeah. like, yeah. It's a question of good and evil, and in our world we have grey areas, so like maybe <laughs> we... <laughs> <laughs> Over Etonia, Skeletor is telling the people of Etonia that they are fucked. People of Etonia, I stand before the great eye of the galaxy, chosen by destiny to receive the powers of Grayskull. This inevitable moment will transpire before your eyes, even as He-Man himself bears witness to it. The great eye does open and fills him with power. He fills mm. the universe within him. He's part of the cosmos. This is, this infinity, is also a bit much. Infinity <laughs> flows through him. Kneel before your master. And he becomes a golden god. Yeah. 
Full Skeletor is a god. He transforms into Golden Idol Daddy Skeletor. <laughs> is this a thing from the from the show? No, because he doesn't win in the show. <laughs> no, he just gets a fancy fancy new outfit with horns and shit. It's fucking great. It's so fun, so yeah, over the top. It's fucking cool. Sub He Man sold separately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Kira just closed her eyes and wished uh, that the podcast would go away. Uh, <laughs> yes. And when yep. the cameras turn off, this is what they do. <laughs> yep. And he shoots gold lasers out of his eyes <laughs> at He-Man while screaming, <laughs> Neil. <laughs> I wish the whole movie had this vibe. Yeah. I, I wish, wish there, was no movie, there was no Earth and the yeah. whole movie was just this theatrical and crazy and Same. over the top. And science fiction-y. It would have been because way better. Because it's great. All yeah. the throne, all the Grayskull stuff, throne room stuff is is amazing. If we had lived in Eternia for this movie, it would have yeah, been way better. But it's it's canon. Yeah. It's never, it was never going to happen. This is good what we got. I still love what we got, <laughs> but, you know, I wish the whole movie was, was this insane. Yeah, fully. Back on Earth, they power up the key. Kevin plays the tones just as Lubick tries to arrest them and a door opens. But because of the way that they're opening the door... You missed Gwildor not knowing where the keys on the on the keyboard oh, were yeah, and then I, learning that, how to play keyboards. That was adorable. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I should have realised that that was something you would want to talk about. I know, right? Yeah. should know me better than that by now. <laughs> anyway, yes. continue. As, as I was. Um, Skeletor is still talking. Tell me about the loneliness of good. Is it equal to the loneliness of evil? Yeah. This was really sw- weirdly like... It's my favorite. That's the it's part a that I was good like, line. It's so good. It's weirdly deep for him to be talking to him. Like, are you lonely? Like, I'm lonely. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I love it. It's incredible. Fucking love it. Yeah, it's great. It's just, it feels like. Skeletor's in a different fucking movie. Yeah. yeah. He really is. Like, so I think 100% he got to rewrite his character lines. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he has said that he had a hand in writing that stuff. Because that line. Is that line alone is better written than the whole movie? <laughs> like there is not a he's single. All beat. of his monologuing here oh. is is incredible. It's all pretty awesome. Yeah, we need to live in this moment for a second because I, I don't. Does does He Man react at all? He's just being defiant and not kneeling. Yeah, which is what is making Skeletor angrier and angrier because he now has he's now the master of the universe. He has all this power, and He Man will still not kneel to him. But it also makes so much sense that line in the moment because like he's been defeated. He doesn't have his friends around him, which is like his strength in all the time and the loneliness of evil. Like I mean, of course we all get it straight off the face of the line. It makes sense, but fuck, we just need to pull it out a little bit more and actually talk about how fucking great it is. I think we've done that. Yeah, yeah we have. Yeah. It's a good line. Ugh. The door begins to open in the throne room and the wall and half the car came with them. Yeah. <laughs> because that the little set piece as well. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's kind of fun. And then, yeah, laser fight. He-Man yells, you promised not to hurt them. He lied. And that's right, because he does the whole, if I don't hurt them, then He-Man's bound by his word thing, yeah. Yeah. which is silly. So why would he attack them? Yeah. Well, he, f- he might not have if they'd stayed on Earth. Sure. He fires his gold pimp daddy lightning at He-Man, <laughs> but He-Man uses it to unlock himself. <laughs> yeah. Smart. Which, so is, which is smart. Man-at-arm gives orders, including to Lubick, who feels like he's in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah. He gets shot at, and his response is that nobody takes pot shots at Lubick. <laughs> <laughs> and then, okay, pinkos, want to play a game? <laughs> Let's play. 
fucking and he destroys. Blasting Skelly Troopers with yeah. a shotgun. I don't think he knows the rules. Does, no. does he? <laughs> does he become the new man at arms? Because yeah. he's laying waste. Yeah, and it, like instantly, uh, Evelyn and Beastman know what time it is, so they start sidling out of the throne room. <laughs> yeah, they're like, "We out." He man makes a move for the sword, but ends up hiding behind a statue. Yeah, his vertical leap on this is impressive. Yeah. <laughs> All those box jumps are paying off. All those time in the Eternian gym. Yeah. Just doing battle ropes. Oh Bouldering out of those pecs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he pushes the statue over. Evelyn and Beastman and Karg just leave, signal the retreat. Yeah, good journey. They're like, we're out. Good journey, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and He-Man swings over the pits of the throne room like a fucking swashbuckling hero. Yeah, mad. Goes to try to pull the sword out. And Skeletor lightnings at him, but our boy pulls the sword out anyway. Yeah. Which is fucking great. I have the power. I lost my shit at this as a kid. Like, it just, it still gives my inner child chills. It's always been between us. I love that too. Let this be our final battle. Mm. They clash swords, sword and staff. And the whole room goes dark and everybody else disappears. Yeah. Interesting choice, right? It's a great choice. I love it. It's for it. budget or something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Kira knows what's up. When I ask a question, there's always an yeah, answer. Yeah, of course. But like, uh, it was a very um, stage move. Oh, yeah. That's one way of looking at it. Yeah. It's not so much a choice as it's a fix. Yeah, okay. Because Canon's bleeding money so much and cutting the budget down as they're making the movie. They're like, you have this much money. And then like two days later, they're like, no, 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 this much money. And Golan is furious that they are still shooting. He's like, why are you not finished? And he shuts production down before they've finished shooting the end of the movie. Wow. Well, that's a waste. They appeal to him that they don't have the final fight, that they don't have He-Man beating Skeletor. And Golan's like, no, you're finished. Cut the movie together. You can't. (laughs) And so they cut the movie together and they show him. And then he's mad at them that there's no final fight between He-Man and Skeletor. <laughs> oh. This isn't. This movie isn't finished. You didn't finish this movie. Yes, we told you that. <laughs> and they go back and they shoot this fight as cheaply as they possibly can. That makes sense. Which means they only have part of the set. They don't have the full set. They have one part of it. That makes a lot of sense. They put up some black curtains. They shine lights around into the into the camera. And that is why this scene is shot like that. Great fix. Great fix. (laughs) Yeah. And so He-Man and Skeletor fight each other and there's lots of energy and sparks coming off their their weapons and stuff. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure that this is not Langella as Skeletor for like most of this sequence. Yeah. It is at the end, but I'm pretty sure that that's just a double in the the, uh, Skeletor armor for most of the the fight. Makes sense. He-Man breaks Skeletor's staff and he turns back into original flavor Skeletor. (laughs) It's over. Yes, for you. He pulls another sword. So in the cartoon... There is an evil sword as well. So Skeletor has the evil mirror version of He-Man's sword that's powered by Snake Mountain. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, and that's the sword that he pulls. Right. Right? He's, and it's he's, in no way explained in the movie. No, it's, <laughs> but it's his power sword. And then He-Man deflects Skeletor into a pit where he hunts Grubus to his death. He screams the whole way down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Star Wars much? Yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. yeah. We get a 
terrible blue screen shot of <laughs> He-Man standing against a fake background as the lights go back on so that we can then cut to the footage that was shot during production. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering why that shot looked weird. After, As the shield goes down around Sorceress and she is young again and He-Man victory. Yeah. Victory! Victory! Yeah. Post-battle, Julie's fine. We just scrubbed straight past that. Yeah, she I mean, did we don't fuck need, all we don't this need whole to, movie. We'd, at the end, yeah. The second half. She yeah. was doing a lot in the first half. Yeah. <laughs> Lubick's saying he's got a castle, a view, clean air, and a woman. And, you know, he embarrassed himself in front, in front of all of his, his cop friends. friends. He can't go why back. Would he, why would he go back? And the sorceress gives Julie a piece of jewellery so Eternia will always be with them. It seems to be have Eternia in it. Yeah. yeah. Which is weird. There was this weird bit as well where they do the, like, good journey bit but longer and they do some, like, hand movements. They they do the hand movements earlier as well. Oh, do they? Not everybody does the hand movements, uh, but they do do the hand movements. Because the hand movements are, like, fully the um, Avatar Sehelo fucking I movements. Think it's a, I think this is the more, you know, formal version of good journey. Uh-huh. As opposed to uh-huh. casual, everyday good journey. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. Good yeah. journey here. So Julie says goodbye, but Taylor stops her, telling her to say good journey instead. Uh, Gwildor has ribbons in his hair. Well, yeah. he's um, a fancy. This is, this is the medal awarding ceremony. It is the medal awarding ceremony. <laughs> he had to dress up. And he reveals that he can send them back to any point in time. In time. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. So maybe when you got <laughs> defeated earlier, you could have just maybe gone when, back in time. Maybe when Evelyn took the key from you, you could go and... Tell yourself not to take it from Maybe go back in time and like stop <laughs> doing the work for it's the just so we can, Lord of it's, Snake Mountain. It's just so that we can have a happy ending. It's just so that we can have a happy ending. <laughs> but they just want to go home. Gordo opens the door and they go through it. But Julie has a last second thought. Yeah. And then apparently what's his face, Gwildor, Gwildor went back in time up. and sent them to the time that he she Well, wanted. no, he just did it. He was always going to do that. Yeah, I know. But yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Back on Earth, Julie wakes up in bed. What? You can teleport now. Every other time they've gone through a door, they've just stepped through a door. Yeah, and now. So why does she wake up? Maybe it's different when you time travel. Yeah, maybe. She hugs a photo of her parents and goes downstairs, and then they are. It's the day that they died. So she steals their plane keys and a bunch of maps and stuff and runs outside in her nightgown. What the fuck is she wearing? Yeah, (laughs) thank you. It's like a bed gown, but I I swear I've seen it in other movies and it's just like, it's like ever a thing? It's an old lady nightgown. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know whether people really ever, I suppose it's a colder climate, but. It's California. Oh yeah. So no, I don't think she would be wearing that. Yeah. Um, also, now, so does she have to relive all the events of the movie? No, the, they they got erased. Mm. Skeletor never came to Earth now. Oh, because they're just going to retcon their whole timeline. Yeah. Like, we yeah. never lost. Yeah. yeah. Mm, of course. She finds Kevin and they know that they, they were there because of the jewelry and we zoom in to find Tiny He-Man giving us one last I have the power. <laughs> and then we roll credits. Credits come with five extra weapons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now the most famous scene of this movie post credits. credits you saw it yeah okay I was curious I mean of even, I, did. I haven't seen this movie or know much about it but, but I knew, knew this, this was yeah. coming yeah yeah Skeletor pops out of uh, a pool of red water and says I'll be back yeah, yeah. no bro you will not be back yeah <laughs> yeah everybody's seen that as a meme so yeah yeah so this was so rare back then because people didn't do post credit scenes like they do now or mid credit scenes or whatever that it was missed entirely. People didn't know about it for years. Like people, you only knew about it if you saw the tape. Before the internet ruined everything, mm. and yes, there are 10 million memes of it, 
people you had to have like watched all the way through the movie to know that it was there. Or yeah, had a friend who had a friend who told you. Or be on a podcast people, where if you don't watch to the end of the credits, you, you might miss something. You get in trouble. Because, yeah. yeah, I suppose everybody leaves when the credits roll um, in the movie theater so, and everybody stops the tape once the credits are yeah, rolling so, on the VHS. So well, unless you're someone like I Ian who that, would watch I didn't see that end. in the movie theater. I saw that on VHS. Did you when f- I watched the movie. fast forward it to check if there was anything at the end? No, I just have always watched the credits when I watch a movie at home. Nerd. It's harder when I was at, I do that in a movie theater now. I went into a stop and I don't give a fuck about post credit scenes. I will pay respect to the people that made the movie by sitting in a movie theater until the movie is over. Who was the grip? Your mum. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the best boy? You may stay, but you don't read them. Your dad. He does read them. He just doesn't remember every single person. Would you like to know some of the names I recognized in the credits? Yeah. I had removed that section from the show. Greg Smurz, one of the stunt guys, is now a famous second unit director. Cool. He's just one of the stunt guys. Done anything fun? Uh, Not that I can remember off the top of my head. Mm. Trailer after the movie. Light Horseman. Yeah. Yeah, it's a historical uh, Australian epic drama about World War I. Gallipoli saw the birth of a legend unlike any other. They are not cavalry, Captain. They are Australian light horse. A legend that will never die. The light horseman. What am I going to do to get into the light horse? They were born on the wind in the wilds of Australia. in fire on the battlefields of Turkey. This is their epic story. We've got the best regiment in the brigade. Now we're going to prove it. If we fail to take their Shiva, we cannot fail. A story of honor. One of those hush-hush jobs. You know, real boys' own paper stuff. Of courage. Three cheers for the light horse! Fresh out of bloody school. What the hell do you know about war? A true story of love may never see. He might never see his child. And war. 
whatever it was called, War Australia. Light Horseman. <laughs> Thank you. War Australia, the yeah. movie. Yeah. The motion picture. Um, you looked- shouldn't be in charge of naming movies. <laughs> <laughs> I think I get to the heart of the matter. Um, looked like it was a fucking big movie. Yeah, it's part of the Australian New Wave. So it's There's part massive of, set it's, pieces. So in the 1970s, Australia went through a renaissance of filmmaking. Yes. And we got- This is one of the good ones. There are lots of good ones. Well, you said that this no, period- No, the 80s is when I'm talking about- Ah. Old, so we transitioned in the 80s to exploitation movies. Uh-huh. But in the 1970s, Australia became, it's called the Australian New Wave, and it gave birth to people like Bruce Beresford and Peter Weir, who made Picnic at Hanging Rock, a movie called The Last Wave that is a fucking masterpiece. Peter Weir, of course, went on to direct Truman Show and Master and Commander. Ah, yeah, right. very cool. And and lots of other movies. There's two that popped into my head. But it's when Australia kind of rediscovered itself as a place that made made movies in the 1970s. There's definitely a flavour to it. Even George Miller. So even Mad Max is technically part of the Australian New Australian. Yeah, New okay. Um, so there's some the, names that I rem- recognise in this film. Yeah, there's got it's got some name it's got some names in it. Mm-hmm. I didn't write anybody's name down. Um, Simon Winter also directed Free Willy. Ah, cool. The Phantom with Billy Zane that was also Dope. shot in Australia. That's a, that's one of my like sleeper movies that I actually really love. It's on the list. Yeah. It's a good swashbuckling It time. is, hey. shot, shot in Queensland. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Because it, Phantom is much, is massive in Australia and New Zealand, right? Ah, because it's not, in our newspapers. It was not as big in America. Um, So it's an Australian production paid for by an American studio. Huh. Adaptation of a comic book movie when people didn't really want to make comic book movies and it did not do well. I, I loved it. I like that movie. Billy Zane. Fucking awesome. I like that movie. Um, he also directed some Paul Hogan, later day Paul Hogan yeah, movies. Yeah, cool. Uh, Lightning Jack. And I think he did the third Crocodile Dundee movie. Oh, uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. When I had a kid or something. I don't remember. I never saw it. Uh, appropriate age to have seen <laughs> Masters of the Universe. It's a children's film. Just, <sighs> despite Skeletor Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Kira just shakes her head every single time that I do that. You would, you would feel because of the like... Definitely coke fueled vibe of this movie. It's like an older age. I don't think it's really coke fueled. No, I I've mean, seen there's some choices co- that I've are wild. There's some wild choices, but I think that's wild choices because you, it's a canon movie. Yeah. And, yeah, okay. Because it's based on a cartoon. And we, yeah, we're going to see some movies that are much more obviously influenced yeah, by Yeah, very true. Very true. I reckon you could see this. You could sit a five year old in front of this and they'd have a good time. Yeah, I was going to say four. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my niece is four, and, well, I don't think she specifically would enjoy this film. I think she's intelligent enough to pay attention to it. So if she was more into action, then I would, yeah. I would let her watch this. I was five. Yeah. It's 1987. I was five years old. Saw it in cinema. Would you watch this movie again if you're in free will? Yeah, yeah 100%. Cool. Yeah, me too. I mean, obviously. You'll probably watch it later <laughs> today. <laughs> I was excited to watch it this morning. <laughs> a rating for this movie, the way that we rate movies, is on a five-star scale. One being I hated this movie. Two being I did not like this movie. Two and a half being this movie was fine. There were parts of it I liked. Three being I like this movie. Four being I love this movie. Five being this was one of my favorite movies of all time. Do you want to just get it out of the way, Kim? Five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't lie. It's just a five. Keep I know up. it's not a five. I don't care. So you like this one as much as American Ninja and The Wraith? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're in the same. They're in the same pantheon of films for me. Fair enough, Brody. I, I asked, asked you first. first. <laughs> I asked you while you were asking him. Did Jesus not. Christ. I did. Um. You always make me go first. No, I'm not sure actually what I'm giving it. So you have to go first. You can put me down for five. I had a oh, great really? Time. I had a great five. time. Yeah. Fuck yeah. This is one of your favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
of of this genre. You know what I mean? Like, it, have you given anything a five yet? Yes, I gave the second uh, time cop, uh, not time cop, future, future cop. cop. Yeah, second future cop a five. And didn't you give American Ninja a four and a half? Yes, I did. Um, I think it's definitely closer to an American Ninja than a Future Cop for me, but I feel like the wackiness brings it up to a Future Cop. I really don't know. See, the thing for me is the wackiness of crazy choices that pay off, I think. I'll give it a four. That's a solid choice. Yeah. It's not one of my favourite movies of all time. I know what my favourite movies of all time are, and that's not one of them. I (laughs) I feel like to get a five in this pod, to be one of your favourite movies of all time in this pod... Does not have to mean like it scales against all of the favorite movies of all yeah, time. Yeah, but like I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I gave Thrash in a five, didn't I? I don't remember. I'm pretty you're, sure you're I, the keeper of the scores. Yeah, I don't have it. I, that was in a different book, so I don't have it on me. But um, I'm pretty sure I gave Thrash in a five, and it's not on my list of my favorite films. But yeah, in okay. the context of the pod, it gets there. Yeah, Whereas right. this movie, this is like the second time I've seen it, and. I really liked it. I probably would say I love it, which is why I gave it a four. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's one of my favourite movies of all time. Yeah, fair. There needs to be some level of quality to your five where I feel like... that's not it. No? That's not it. Because I feel like Thrashin has a level of quality that this doesn't. (laughs) Does it? Yeah, I do. Thrashin is patched together. That is a patchwork movie. You reckon? That barely functions as a film. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) It needs to... For it to be one of my favourite films of all time, it needs to... Be my movie. It needs to be yeah, something okay. for me. This yeah. isn't I if for you me. Give Roller Boys a five. I don't know. I've only seen it once. Interesting. Thrash and I've seen multiple times and loved. I think there will be possibly movies that I'm introduced to on this pod that might get a five. But Masters of the Universe isn't for me. Like it wasn't made for me. I can enjoy it. I had a good time, but I've never seen a He-Man comic, See, and I, I like- probably wouldn't watch He-Man. So it's. It was a good time. I had a great time and I liked watching it from the perspective of I love Kian and I don't know how much this yeah. has been part of him, but that doesn't make it my movie. Yeah, and I feel like if I was born at the right time, this was 100% made for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're Kian 10 years down the Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, very true. Yeah. Moving on to next week. The way that we pick movies is that Kira and Brody alternate taking turns, picking from a list of three choices I prepared from the store. This week is Kira's pick. Oh, it Damn it! Because you picked this. We have a deal in place. Do we? I don't know. I can't no, remember. It's been remember. Too there's, long. Only, there's, only one, there's only one left and it wasn't one of the yeah. ones that we made that deal yeah, about. Yeah, so last week you picked Masters of the Universe, which meant that Steel Dawn fell that's off the right, list, which means it. that the only movie that's on the list is the new movie from last week. Kira which gets is- two new picks. Continuing with how the movies work, if a movie's unpicked for three times, it's struck out and taken off the list, although I can bring it back at a later date. So far, I've not yet brought back a rejected film. Still on the list is Warlock, with one strike. That's right. Terminator with Witch witches. Terminator. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the cover's just, it's a lot. Just describe it. It's a man almost, it's, he's not exploding, but there's like particles coming off him and then a man with excellent eyeshadow <laughs> staring over the top of him. It's pretty, it's a, it's Satan a good- has only one son. Is it Kian? Oh, my God. I'm definitely getting Blade Runner vibes from this cover that I never realised. <laughs> okay, that's a weird... Warlock. Satan also has one son. Yep. That's wild. I it missed that wild. on the first read. New on the list this week, Ken Wall in The Taking of Beverly Hills. Oh, I've seen this and I liked it. Is this Rambo? Oh, this is no. this Is this one. that Rambo movie? No. No, no. it's not. Shut down, ripped off, under siege. The world's richest city is about to explode. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. I've seen this one. I liked this one. 
Oh, she's very excited. We Burns still have another strike for Warlock, though, don't we? Yeah, it's got one. Okay. The taking of Beverly Hills. Shut down. Ripped off. Under siege. The world's richest city is about to explode. Don't read the back. I'm getting better at that voice. I can go into it quicker. Don't read the back. Oh, can I look at the pictures? Yeah, but just don't read the back. <laughs> just don't read the, just don't <laughs> read the words. Don't win, you'd be spoiled. Can't trust oh. these covers. Oh my, oh, my God, it's got our boy in it. It's got Robert Darby. It's got our boy in it. <laughs> Robert Darby's the bad guy. Oh, my God. Oh, he's he's the bad guy. Robert Darby's oh. the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. I've, right. been, I've been waiting to pull that one out. Yeah, Because I know that that movie's a good time. Oh, it's, it's a good time. I'm down. It's so dumb. It's I'm so down. So dumb. I'm I have so a down. feeling Keen's going to put something in front of me that's going to make me not pick it just because he's evil like that, but I will pick this. <laughs> Is Ken, what's his name? Ken Wall. Is he good? He's funny. Okay. He's okay. amusing. The movie is great. It doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> I'm down. It's very, it's very, it's a version of Die Hard. I feel like you've given us movies this week that aren't as excruciating to me and I'm, because I'm happy to have any of what these. What excruciating? What's being because excruciating? last time when we were choosing, well, really oh, my oh, you soul. mean the picking, right? The picking. Okay. Yeah. okay. Mm, wait. <laughs> I can't even believe I'm doing this. Third on the list is, uh, well- it's the Garbage Pale Kids movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Vito. Vito. No, Vito. You don't want to see this? I know of it. I feel like I've seen it and I'm just not about it. I want to watch fucking Die Hard. <laughs> this isn't Die Hard, but okay. So to provide some context, the Garbage Pale Kids are a parody of the Cabbage Patch, except that they're all monsters or monstrous, and they existed as trading cards. Yeah. There are a series of trading cards, which I bought when I was a small child and had lots of. Were they around in our era as well? They're still around. They still release Garbage Pail Kids trading cards. And this is the motion picture of the Garbage Pail Kids. I feel like when I'd go to the snow, the place that we would stay in the like shared common room had Garbage Pail Kids. Cards, yeah. Yeah, no, 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 the movie. The movie? Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I had to have sat through it. like That and like H. H, there was like this worm thing that was like a HG, oh, I can't remember. HR Puff and stuff? That's the one. Yeah. Fucking hate that thing. See, I'm very curious about this, but I am a Cabbage Patch fan, so I don't know whether or not this is just going to offend my sensibilities. The Garbage Pail Kids, out of the Garbage Pail and into your heart. This movie is notorious. Okay. But is it going to hurt my feelings because I like Cabbage Patch Kids? Right, okay. So the characters that we have on the back are Wendy Winston, a farty character, (laughs) Nat Nerd, a fat, nerdy, glass character, Valerie Vomit, a cooking character that vomits into her pan, and Alligator, a literal alligator. Brody does not look even remotely impressed. This is, the first this. Mo- this is the first movie on the list that he's been like, nah. No. Nah. This movie is in the category of movies where the entire time that you are watching it, you will yell at the television, this is a movie for children. <laughs> I feel like I'll be watching Is it a this. movie for children? It is a movie for children. It's feel- rated PG. Okay. And like- it's live action, isn't it? Because I've seen a... It is not a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, You think it's a cartoon, but it's not a cartoon. I feel like I'm going to be watching this screaming in the TV going, fuck you, Ken. Yes, you will. Ken, not about this one. Next. (laughs) Uh, Not your choice, motherfucker. I really want to pick it just to piss you off, but (laughs) I have another chance to do that, so... Do Why? you think that I will like Cabbage Patch? Yeah, Why did you Pair? put it on the list? Because because it's insane. 
Also, sometimes I put things on the list to set something up for next week. Mm. Right? It's not always about the particular person that is picking this week. Sure. But it's also one of those movies where if you're in the mood for something where you go, what the fuck is happening for the entire run of the podcast? I mean, that does sound fun. Does sound fun. Then, this, then that's the movie to pick. Whoever made this movie and thought it was appropriate for children They're probably aliens. deserves to be in jail. Right. <laughs> so a fucking also, alien made this movie. Also, it is so badly made. It is so incompetently made. It is an interesting choice. That's that's enough to. For they me may to go not right. be pretty, but they make great friends. So are they good guys? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're the good guys. Okay, so my question still remains: Will this upset me because I like Cabbage Patch Kids? <laughs> no, because it's not. It's not like it's. It's not, it's not like taking. They are a, it's not taking cabbage. a dig at. No, it's a parody of. Like Cabbage Patch Kids are like full of goodness and wholesome yeah. values and stuff, and Garbage Pal Kids was a was a well, you know, kids like snot and vomit. So. I just feel like there's a lot of fart like- humor in this, and I'm just like I'm just so bored by fart humor. There's a lot of effort, like a lot of fluid humor. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Taking of Bella Villa Hills. Yes, I am very likely to pick this next time it's in front of me, though, just because I think that it'll be a good time, and because I want to pick something that you don't want me to pick, because well, I'm still getting revenge on you for Roller Boys. Can <laughs> all I can say is you better come come correct if you want to knock Warlock off. I don't ever want to knock anything off. I just want to make it hard for you. Yeah, I know that. I mean, yeah. I'm also curious because if, and if I already, he's put here's the thing, Brody. I already know what else I'm putting on the list. <laughs> this week. Yeah, that's know. the thing that's interesting because if he's putting something on the list, if he put Garbage Pail Kids on the list in order to set something up, what is he setting up? Yeah. I want to see what he's setting up. <laughs> yeah. But yes, we will go with taking Dude. Beverly Hills because I'm just too excited when to I watch that movie. It's yeah. such a good time. Fuck yeah, I'm keen. Yeah, I'm down. I'm, you know me. I'm down for. I don't put down the clown. list I don't want to watch. I also feel like it's a better like because I think Garbage Pail Kids next to um, Masters of the Universe. They are both is, children's movies. Yeah, yeah, sort of two down the same road. Um, so I feel like let's go back to some action. Yeah, which is fair enough. It's gonna be when I say I'm setting something up. It's sometimes not even a specific movie. It's a type of movie that we have not watched on the po- yeah, on the pod yeah, yet. Yeah. So. There are yeah, there are types of movies or genres or subgenres of of trash that we have yet to explore. I might be stacking the deck in a particular direction of type of movie. Yeah, smart. So that I can get one of those movies onto the onto the pod. Fair enough. Yeah. Smart. That's all I'm saying. Don't like, don't subscribe, don't follow us on any of the social media. At Weird Kid Video. Stay off the internet. It's a death cult. You'll just make bad choices. No, Leave us a review. guys, yeah. Be, actually, listen, we're, we're pretty good. Leave us a review. We like that shit. I'll read it out now. I'll give you I'll give you verbal, verbal and kisses. And don't forget, he will tell us his deepest fear if you get really us a review, as oh, promised yeah. on previous episodes. <laughs> and I, and have, I have many deep, I wanna, deep dark fears. I, w- I want to know the answer to that question. Sign up to Brody's OnlyFans to see him dressed as Golden God Skeletor Daddy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just screaming with, like, veins out of my face. Nail. I am a golden god. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fuck you all. And good journey. Good journey. See <laughs> You love us. Open the jaw, Rick. The powers of evil control Castle Grayskull. Oh, yeah, Dad, what's Ram Man's power? I'll get us inside here. Ram Man, he 
Man and Castle Grayskull, each sold separately. You have to put the castle together. Grand Man, use your head. I just did. Not that way. We have a prisoner. Good. Who's the prisoner? You are, because we have the power. Oh, no. Ram Man and He-Man from the Masters of the Universe collection, each sold separately. Castle Grayskull also sold separately from Mattel.